Yo, welcome to another episode of In a Minute with Devin Lovett. And we are here in the I Am Studios in another episode brought to you by Cerritos Auto Square. And I hope you're ready for a live first-hand immersion in Los Angeles culture. I'm joined by Alex Two-Tone. Yo. Artist, documentarian, one of the founders of Born and Raised, the brand that has come to define Los Angeles culture over the last decade. Two-Tone is a genuine article. He's a product of Los Angeles from his days as a hard scrabble street artist in Venice to what the New York Times called one of the coolest people in Los Angeles. He's also he's also what? I hey, didn't know about that. I got that. I you know I got Is my that sources. Real? That's real, Holy bro. Holy shit. He's also one of the most important people in Los Angeles culture. And you're going to hear that word culture a lot today because of Two Tones impact on LA culture. So we're going to get into his origin story as well as the story of born and raised and his current projects, the future of the brand and Two Tones future. Two-Tone is a special person. We're lucky to have him here in the IM Studios. I can't wait to see what we uncover today. All right, y'all. Let's get into it. Two-Tone, thank you for being here. Evan, it's such a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you and your energy and this. And I love, I love your, uh, I love this studio. Oh, yeah. This is sick. This is very vintage valley right here oh oh vintage valley i might need to get a little side no 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 no. this is this is perfect like i came in here i was like oh my god like there's this you know the valley is is a really interesting place and uh fuck let's start there then okay listen i wasn't even gonna but now i gotta go there i want to know and we're gonna get into your background but tell me more about what you think about the valley because that's you know this anybody listening knows that's my heart and soul i'm la but look that's okay. where i come from hey one eight talk you're, to me you're gonna fucking love this this is this is gonna be a full pivot <laughs> i used to be involved with uh with this group called the get busy committee uh also styles of beyond they're a heavy valley rapper. i know st- style 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 styles yeah, yeah. So styles of beyond those are my guys they started a group called the Get Busy Committee with Scoop DeVille and Apathy of Demigods. I was in the group in kind of a producer slash, I was actually a creative director before that was a thing. I was basically helping them guide like visually. This is post Styles of Beyond? or post when Styles was, of Beyond, yeah. Because I'm going to tell you this right now, 2000 Fold and Megadeth. Oh my God. Like yeah, Megadeth. very underrated. I always felt, and especially, look, not even especially as a Valley guy. Both those <laughs> dudes were extremely lyrical Lyrically adept, and I'm always somebody who, as a former MC, like really cre- loved the creation and use of like syllables. And both of these dudes, um, Ryu and oh my talk, god, talk, talk, talk beer. Beer, yep. Ryu, yep. talk, dude, they this both are just very dexterous is the best word I could say. Like, hella the, lyrical, just lyrical. Yes, man. And I always thought they were majorly slept on, like yeah. historically, yeah. <laughs> LA and otherwise. So go on. So you're that is this a major is pivot. Crazy. Okay, okay so. So yeah, you know, I was there without labeling it. I was their creative director. I was like, "Hey, you guys should listen to this group. You should listen to this music. You should fucking check out this fucking you know clothing company. We should do this." And then what happened with Get Busy Committee is like, you know, first and foremost with everything I've done, I you know I was always my my love was making films, and I did my first music video for the Get Busy Committee, and I'm gonna get to the Valley thing in a second. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. My very first music video was for the Get Busy Committee, and I was actually in the video, because I do the intro, because I used to do skits. 
You okay. know, he used to fuck around a lot, right? And skits were a huge part of hip hop. Like huge, yeah, anybody yeah, was yeah, listening yeah, yeah. in the 90s, dude. I, at first, <laughs> it was cool as fuck. And then all of a sudden, like the album would be like 31 tracks and 15 of them are skits. So yeah. it got kind of played out. But they were a big part of hip hop, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. They were, it was an amazing, you know, there's an amazing part, you know, from the chronic to all, you know, even, even Jay Z stuff, all, you know, they have these characters, whatever. I'm getting, nope, my ADD is firing up. So, so anyway, so. Yeah, I'm in the Get Busy Committee. I make my first music video for Get Busy Committee. Um, at the time, I had like another company. I used that company to kind of leverage some some money to help fund their video. I shot this video, and it was like, it was just amazing. Like it was like for me the experience, like everything I dreamed up, yeah, came to fruition. Like we had one of the gags was we had a giant wood chipper. And we're feeding different things into the wood chipper. I fed my dog Omar into the wood chipper, and then a bunch of feathers came out. We fed in, uh, we fed in bales of cocaine, and then powder came out. We fed in money, and then shreds of money came out, landed on someone dancing. Like that was one of the gags that, like, okay. I thought of, and it happened. Like we had a rotating uh, jacuzzi with Scoop Deville in the in the jacuzzi rapping. So like, you know, we did all this thing, all this shit on a shoestring. It was just like whatever. What year was this? By this the way, was, give or this take. was uh, Jesus Christ. Um, it's got to be 12, 13 years ago, something like that. Okay. So okay. I'm guessing, and I'll send you the video. Yeah. But what I'm getting to is this. Um, in that within that whole thing, we would just be in the studio fucking around, and like I, as a kid was a rapper you know it was a graf yes. graffiti artist and i used to rap and smoke weed all that shit but what i you know but i but i would be on the album i never had the chops to to fully dig into rapping because i never fully invested but i would do skits and there's a skit on one of their albums called the valley and all it is is a guy playing piano and me riffing for like 90 seconds about what the valley is and i'm going to send it to you because i think you're going to love it wow. but before i send it to okay. you i got a proof listen to it because who knows? Like, I want to make sure there's nothing on there that's gonna like get me fucked up. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna double check it. Fair. But I spent a lot of time in the valley, man. Like, I grew up on the west side, but I had a lot of connections to the valley. Yeah. Shout out to the Marshall Brothers and uh and to Ryu and and fucking Ryu's Ryu has an Irish bar deep in um he's in he's near Valencia now. He owns and operates an Irish wow. pub, which was his dream. He's a big Irishman, big drinker, and um, anyways. Anyways, this is all, you know, this is all part of the fucking, the L.A. tapestry tableau. Like, when I was a kid, you would be like, fuck the valley, right? It would be like, that cause, was, the, that cause our was world, the mantra, man. Right? That's what I grew up trying yeah. to fight against. Yeah. 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 Fuck the valley. Valley's lame. And then you, as you, as you, you know, because your world's tiny and your world is like, you know, the west side. Like, it's only, everything cool is happening here. Yeah. But then as you grow up and you, you, you start to, you know, expand your world, you realize the valley is fucking amazing. And you're, I'm excited when I meet, because you meet people in la all the time and no one's ever from here and when someone tells me i'm from the valley i'm like you're fucking legit because like the valley is a different experience it, it breeds a different kind of person listen and i know the 50s 60s you know baby boom valley perhaps was maligned for for uh accurate reasons but you know as it diversified and grew and developed its own culture and its own history i mean look the valley I, they always do this five boroughs analogy you know in new york I, it doesn't work no but it i do work i do like the idea that like look los and los angeles is a thing <coughs> but the valley does have its own culture and identity and now it's finally not getting shit on as much and you know what i bring out now we're way the fuck off topic yeah. but what i always bring up is i feel like the santa clarita valley now 
is what the valley was like 30 years ago where people are like why am i gonna need to go out there that's yeah. way the hell out there there ain't nothing out there but every time i go up there because i go up there to cover stories and by yeah. the way santa clarita valley actually has some fantastic history old town new hall new hall school and yes it is a hall but i feel like the santa clarita valley at least like quote unquote culturally is where the valley was like 30 years ago so i'm actually like eyeball in Santa Clarita and be like, hmm, I wonder what, how that develops. Cause it's all part of LA, man. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. County is massive and like, listen, you're, they're crossing over. They're going to the Valley. They're going to the city. So, I mean, it's cool, but let's get back to you sure. before your Valley days when you were shitting on the Valley. No, <laughs> talk to me about growing up. You are notoriously and proudly from Venice. Right. I want to know about baby Alex, the kid early memories of either what kind of student were you what kind oh, of kid were you what was the family life like growing up oh my god listen i was fucked up i was a fucked up kid like i you know i you know i'm still i'm still negotiating the repercussions of my childhood to this day all the time right just like just trying to figure out how where 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 everything you know <laughs> trying to figure out who you are in the wake of like i had a very uh my childhood wasn't fun let me say that wow. so like i didn't you know it, it just it, there wasn't i mean it was fun in that like i was rogue yeah. and i was a little fucking juvenile delinquent yeah. but the home my home life wasn't great i had a, okay. it was very it was just kind of chaotic right so i was out the house i was out fucking around and like you know when you come from these places where where you know you don't have the you know, you're not cradled in in the stability of of of, of functional goddamn guidance and warmth. Yeah. You tend to seek other things. You know, so instead of going and playing, you know, football, you go out and do some other shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I and I also was like, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that I think about myself as a kid, and like I was always very um, curious and and creative, and I used to draw, and I and I, you know, but I also at the same time, you you temper that with just like dysfunction and being kind of like not knowing how to how to kind of uh, navigate you know you're a kid so you don't know how to navigate things that are hard to navigate oh, hell no. so you just go out there and like i would just go out and you know i was i was like the first thing i mean i did a lot of things but like you know we i don't know we we drank we drank 40s you know right we, um we hung out we at had, what age if you don't mind because i, I, I mean, like i was to like put I, that framework when right. i was a kid when i was like uh about i think 14 or 15 right we we got our first good drink on. Yeah. And me and me and the guys, you know, we we uh me and like it was Peanut, Mikey, Comlo, Mikey aka Fade, Peanut, Comlo. Um what they call you at this point? I okay, this this is this is great. Um they called me Yogi. Okay. They called okay. me Yogi also, right? And and we all we all got drunk together and we're like we we're like this is fantastic. We had eight ball we're like, we love this. This is our lifestyle. So we started, because you know, this is the early 90s and everything was based in like crews and gangs and cliques, like everything. And we're like, we got to start a crew. And we started a crew called the Venice 8-Ball Posse. Okay. Me and like four guys. You yeah. Know? And then that we were just like, you know, we had something to write on walls. You know, we're skating. We're, we're ro rolling down the street, getting drunk. And, you know, we it was it was silly. You know, we started this thing. But, um, you know, I remember this kid, like this other kid came up to us. like, I want to be in your crew. And we're like, cool you know and he's like you guys you guys want to jump me in we're like no no we're not <laughs> it's not really like that you know right, and like right. but everything everything and fucking everything at that time would become weaponized you start a crew with a bunch of people drinking and all of a sudden three years later you're like 
you're caught up. You know, it happened. Yeah. But we it, it fizzled. You know, we it, it fizzled away. It's just kind of a funny thing that we did. And uh, you know, but I, I I was drinking and smoking weed, and um, you know, I I you know, my house was very like there's a lot of weed in the house. Um, trying to think how long. I mean, the statute of limitations. My dad, it's been long. My dad sold weed. You know, that okay. was his job. Right, so we had access to. I had access to like marijuana and shit like that all the time. I gotta know, was it an open situation with your dad? Yeah, my dad was very open. My dad didn't give a shit. Like he was like, he was just everything. Like he was just like he barely wore clothes. You know what I mean? Like he just was like, and he wasn't. uh, You know, he he. My dad's a sweetheart. You know, he just was a very like. He kind of was like just a uh, you know a guy who who took things as they came. Like he, you know, he told me one day that he. he was playing poker with a bunch of his buddies, yeah. right? Which is funny because I ended up in a po- in a crew of people playing poker and getting that being a social thing I do. But like, yeah. he had a whole crew of people that played poker. They would play for you know they would pay for like pennies and shit, you know. And I remember <coughs> someone came to the table. This is probably the seventies, I would guess, and just dropped a pound of weed on the table. And my dad's like, "What's that?" And they go, oh, "That's you know that's weed." And he goes, "Oh." And from then on, he just became a weed dealer. Wow. And he and he was very good at it. He was a very he was a gentleman weed dealer. Like he wasn't like it wasn't like you know he was very like he was at the end of the day he was like you know driving onto all the lots in Hollywood, you know, and he, they would just let him in. You know, the, the security guard would see him come because he come with his suitcase and he pop it open and there'd be like you know ten to twelve different strains of of of, of weed <laughs> and it would be set up in these like, Acapulco color. gold Maui yeah. Wowie shit like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. right? Right. And it'd all have you know it'd be called Trader Gyms and the, the, you know then there'd be like uh cookie there's also all this stuff but and and the stuff was in the way it's packaged now, it was packaged back then with like laser copied color labels vacuum sealed. Mm-hmm. So you had to cut it open. It was like a special experience. Wow. And I think I honestly believe that like seeing that as a kid gave me a sense of a sense of entrepreneurism entrepreneurial like spirit right like seeing that like and i and i remember and i i i realize that now you know but like seeing that he took this upon him like he you know he took it up like listen man like i i have i love a fucking outlaw right like always like i, I i'm I, you love someone like you know the, everyone does everyone yeah. loves a fucking outlaw yeah everyone loves someone that says you know what fuck this shit fuck this system i'm gonna do shit my way you know, I'm, like I'm absolutely right. Like I'm the iconoclast, if you will. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You know, and like, you know, I, I think that there's a part of like, it's something that you have to respect. And it's also like something that's also very, you know, it could go either way, you know, it could go bad. Um, but anyways, um, and I'm just, I'm just doing my math. I mean, I'm not dry snitching on my old man, but it's been, <laughs> it's been fucking 20 years he was you know? here literally doing the calculations yeah, by yeah, the way yeah. for the uh the, yeah. the statute of limitation just yeah. FYI. but yeah yeah it's, no it's, and this is important to establish how you are and where you were and to relate for me my parents were very open about marijuana they're both hippies they used to smoke all the time all the time yeah and my dad was always rolling stuff. and again as a kid i didn't know you know that this is marijuana yeah you know why they'd be rolling the- my mom also smoked cigarettes at the time yeah. but i'd be like why sometimes they roll you know what i mean you don't like realize but it's important in becoming who you are in your relationship not just with marijuana and your parents but the world ahead because a different approach in a household where parents are like ah, no drugs, no marijuana, yeah. you know, it's so bad for you. I mean, you become a completely different person for well, better or for worse. Listen, that, there's something <clears throat> I always say that there's nothing like you know, 
you don't want cool parents. You want your parents to be that person. You want your parents to keep you on the straight and narrow and get you out of fucking high school and get you into college. And like that's that's what your job is as a parent is to fucking button the shit up and get them going and, and put them on, you know, get them on their way. And having, you know, like that and and some people are not it's not in them to be parents. They have kids, but they're like they don't know how to click in. Like you got to lock in, right? If I have a kid, I don't have any children. Yeah. If I have a child, I got to be I feel like I need to be willing to lock the fuck in and be like, "Okay, now I got to make sure that this motherfucker right here gets everything and has a sense of self and 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 you know, all the things that like you need to make it through the world because if you have that, yeah. if you're given a sen- if you're given a good ego yeah. and a sense of self, when you when you navigate the world, it opens to you. Yeah. But when you navigate the world with a chip on your shoulder and feeling like you don't deserve shit, you don't get it and you have to fight for it harder. But if you feel like you deserve it, it comes. It's just the way it is. It's yeah. just it's, it's fucking pheromones. I don't know. You feel it. It's, I, it's radar. It's Wi-Fi. Listen, like, confident. And I do. I have a 10-year-old, and it's funny you mention this because I do. I'm constantly questioning my own parenting. I've learned some serious lessons just in the last few months. But I'm constantly tiptoeing that line of like, yeah, man, like you do want to be the cool. Da- I mean, I'm a big ass dork. Let's let's just be straightforward. But but you want your kid, or at least I do want to be the cool dad. Like yeah. my son likes hanging out. But you do have to instill that discipline and the confidence, as you say. I'm always telling them it's the same thing. Like positivity, it sounds corny, but be positive. Positive things happen. Believe in yourself. You can do it. And it's like these things sound corny, but they're so important because even for me, getting into whatever you know profession, like. Again, when I first got into journalism, I was rejected. Like my fr- when I went to go try and work for the LA Times, I was rejected. You know, they didn't want me coming out of college. They're like, "Dude, this is LA Times. This isn't Biloxi or whatever." But I kept showing up and I kept persisting. I'm like, "Dude, I am good. And I just be creative." And then at a certain point, persistence, believing in yourself, and I believe that I deserve to be there, even though I probably didn't. Yeah. You know, like at a certain point, they're like, "Oh, okay." Like, I mean, I guess he's got something. He thinks he should be here, but yeah. you know, it's and again. Could sound corny, but it's true and it's no, important. It's a, that shit, all that hallmark bullshit, believe in yourself, but it's all real. Like, trust me, because I've had to, I've had to fight tooth and nail for like everything I've gotten because I did not have that sense of I didn't believe in myself. I had to prove it to myself and to others constantly. So I didn't have that inner innate thing of knowing like, like I didn't know that it was shit was going to work. So I had to keep you know doing things to prove to myself that it was going to work. Now, like you know, I, I, I don't think that the, I don't think you could do too much. Like, there's there's no limit to what you could do to get, you know, you don't want to create a fucking asshole, like a privileged prick, but that's not telling someone that they can do shit yeah. is not going to create an asshole. It just gives them like courage, you know, courage and confidence, which is like, you know, and, and a real ego and self-esteem, you know, like that's a, it's real shit, you know? So I've had to like, you know, figure it, you know, I've had to rebuild it on my own and figure out and it's, it's a process. And like, you know, I feel like I'm, I've done the best that I can possibly do at any given time. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that's also like the, the flip side to this too. Here's the other thing. Yeah. Is that I'm fucking driven yeah. because I have, I have a lot to prove to myself. So I'm like, you know, I'm fucking tapped the fuck in. Like I'm not fucking around, you know? And like, I've spent the last 20 years, like going as hard as I can, Yeah, you know, and we've seen it. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's that. And I don't know any, you know, people are like, people are like, be kind to yourself, you know? And I'm just kind of like, Okay, but I need to get this. No, shit but from. you gotta, I gotta put the pedal to the metal and yeah. go, man. It's like you know, honestly, my wife will tell me like, sometimes you work too hard, you're going too much, doing too much. You know, yeah. after this, got this, then obligation, then filming this, 
And I'm like, man, nah, because this is the time that I have to do this because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Forget 20 years down the road, 20 days down the road, yeah. 20, 20 minutes down the road, you know? Yeah. So I want to accomplish and get all these things done and do all these things. That becomes motivation. I want to get into that, but still staying on your child because this is important. Mm. Did you grow up with your mom as well? No, um, my parents split when I was young. I was born in Hollywood. They um, they split. They got married and divorced twice, which is weird, pretty quickly. And then I was in. Uh, they, my mom moved to the East Coast at some point. I don't know. The timeline's fucked up for me. But I spent the bulk of my time here. But I, I would go back. You know, I go back to New York once in a while. My mom's from New York. That's dope. So I go and visit her. Uh, you know, um, and and you know, once in a while. But I ended up not. I really might, you know, I grew up in Venice. So like that was where I didn't want to leave. I mean, you had a choice of like going to New York or Venice. And as a kid, you're like, Venice is where it's at, you know? And I got to ask about school again. And here's yeah. why. Yeah. Cause you're extremely intelligent. I've, we've had conversations in the past. You had me on powerful truth angels. I've seen you operate what you, how you work, what you accomplish. And it's always funny because listen, I'll, I'll just call it what it is. I was a super nerd that liked school, got good grades, you know, I'd, I'd fuck around. I always like had the good balance, a little mischievous, but I always thought you need to get good grades and get good scores and do well on your tests and, and follow that path that you said, you know, you got to put the kid on, go to college, all this stuff. But looking around <clears throat> as I've grown up, a lot of my friends that are more successful had different paths. And a lot of my friends that maybe aren't very successful right now we're right shoulder to shoulder with me doing yeah. the nerd thing getting yeah. an a on test stuff like that yeah so school is different for different people so i just want to know and then i'll move on but what was your relationship with school yeah i mean I, and to speak to that it depends what you want like if i was going to be a doctor there is no fucking maverick way to do it <laughs> right i can't wing it but i don't want to be a doctor so yeah, i was yeah. terrible i was terrible at school i i was i dropped out of high school because you didn't care but was it no no i wanted every time i went there every new year i was like this year i'm gonna do it oh, you know like wow. i tried okay but i okay. my my shit was so fucked up at yeah. home that like i was already like by the time i was like you know made it to as a senior like i was already going out i was going out like i would leave Thursday night and come home Sunday night. I go to raves and shit. Like wow. I was, I was gone. I was gone. I was what high graffiti. school? What high school? I went to oh, Venice. Fuck, yeah. I was doing graffiti, going to raves. I mean, it was a wrap. And I was obsessed with like those things. Like I wanted to be part of this crew, doing this graffiti. I want to go to these raves. I want to get high. Like that's what I want to do. So like I dropped out of high school, um, and I had a I, I I lived alone. I moved out around 17, 16, oh, 17. Man, I had this little apartment, right? in venice and uh my old man like was was footing the bill for a minute because i couldn't there was a situation in my house where i had to leave it was kind of a life or death thing so i had to get out wow uh yeah so so i'm on my own and i'm like waking up you know it's like i wake up in the morning i was supposed to be going to school and i wake up in the morning and be like there'd just be like you know markers and fucking empty 40s and weed and, and i wake up in the morning and see all this shit and be like i'm gonna smoke weed i'm not going to school yeah. so i didn't go to high school the last day i went to high school and which was crazy for me because i was always scared of like like i through like i sound like i was wild but i never like i never ran away i was always because i always i was neurotic and i always be like what am i gonna do day two what am i gonna eat like even I'm always, back then you remember always thinking ahead like yeah that. like okay. knowing okay. i'm like wait but that's not gonna work if i'm where am i gonna go so like i was always trying to do the right thing so and there's I, a sense of responsibility even as you're fucking around you had like that sense to it to a degree okay yeah okay. like i 
yeah, I mean, I wasn't that responsible in, in how I was like, you know, I was going out and staying up for three No, days. but even thinking about and being aware and conscious of it, I think is that, that step, that direction. Yeah. yeah, like there's certain things I wouldn't buck and I didn't see myself as someone that was gonna drop out of high school. But I remember the last day I went to high school and I went to, I showed up at nutrition, like I missed the first few classes. I show up and no, my crew wasn't there, my high school friends, cause I was, I was with a whole bunch of different people now, right? Yeah. My high school crew wasn't there and I was all alone and I was like, I don't know anybody. Like I had gone, I had been gone for a minute and I was like, I don't know anyone in this high school. I got no friends here and I never came back. Wow. And I just went off on a, I just went the, I just like went off into the world, you know? And, and you know, like most people in that situation, I didn't think that I was gonna like, I didn't think I was gonna make it. Like I, I was like, there's, you know, people, I was like, there was no, no part of me in my mind was like, you're gonna make it to 30, you know? I was just, cause I didn't have a plan. I just was like. What does that feel like though, to be honest with you? Because you're not, you're just like, yo, then I'm gonna live for the moment if I'm not gonna make it that far, even though you self said neurotic, where you're worrying about yeah. the future. What is that? How do you reconcile that? How does that work you in just, your brain? Yeah, you, it's, it's, I, it must be disassociation. I must have checked the fuck out, which is right. something I'm ca I'm capable of doing. I can just leave. Okay. I can leave my body and just go to another place while I'm talking to you right now. Okay, like, yeah. okay. Stay <laughs> so, with us at least. Yeah, yeah, at least no, 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 I'm here. No, I'm present. Know. I'm present. No, no, no. Like, I think I just kind of just ignored it and just was like, uh, and I was partying a lot. I was doing drugs. I was yeah. getting high. I was doing graffiti. I had a goal. My goal at that time as a kid was like, I want to fucking, I want to, I want to be in this graffiti. Like, I want to do graffiti. I want to be as good as I can be at this thing. Okay. So this, I'm glad you said that because this is a perfect segue. Now you were embedded in that graffiti culture yeah and now i saw an article from the santa clarita signal in 1997 where you were quoted uh in what? the graffiti in the graffiti culture let me Holy read that for a second what it, the fuck you never heard about this or saw Pre this press is forever it's crazy i i'm just or, or i don't google i never google myself well listen this is what that's I've what never... i do look research oh. is what i do so i got a quote for you it's a santa clarita signal august of 1997 <laughs> They're talking about the graffiti pit in Venice, which oh, we're, yeah. we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your quote is, and they're talking about how the paint, a team of painters on scaffolds sprayed a chaotic cityscape built on the words, angels will rise yep, with yep. two devilish faces looking <laughs> down from the sky. Yeah. And then here comes Alex. <laughs> yeah. This is totally stress-free. Alex of Venice, we're just hanging out, listening to music, and they're feeding us, right? So you were part of an art and venice was a different place where it was actually celebrating this is before you know now where where the graffiti and the street artists this is a proud culture and this is something that well the graffiti monument is a whole different thing the building but where it's really taken a a preeminent place in in los angeles in that culture and you were doing this how did you get involved how did you know this is what you wanted to do and what did you want to accomplish with it you know, I didn't have a goal. I just wanted to be up. I wanted to, you know, I think I wanted to be a part of a crew. I wanted to be, I don't know, I just wanted to, like graffiti is a very interesting thing because it's very addictive. Uh, you can never, like, it takes a long time to master it. Like even just like it's art, man. It's yeah. You can't it's just very. Fold. It's almost zen. Like catching tags, like tagging. Like I'm still to this day. I'm still on every surface in my office is covered in tags. I've seen drugs. it. I've yeah. seen it, bro. I know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Still in my. And I thought, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, one day I'm gonna, you know, become a stockbroker and have a fucking golden retriever and a white picket fence and like graffiti will be something mm. I did. But graffiti has actually influenced every facet of my entire life professionally. Yeah. 
every it's 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 been graffiti was like my like i don't know like it, it was my fraternity right like that's that was my my crew great was like those are my it. people right great like that i had a crew of guys we were we were up and coming awr you know was like an up and coming real crew in the city and you know and and it, and it grew to be one of the most you know awr and msk nms awr slash msk which let me explain awr was like the parent crew and msk was a feeder crew okay so to get an awr you had to go get to get to msk first right and so we would awr heads would put up msk to help them Wow. but then gk the leader of msk was like fuck this you know what we're gonna make msk fucking is we're gonna we're gonna make msk as sick as possible so then they just focus on making msk now msk dwarfs awr and we're all old we're all washed all the awr heads are washed yeah like we're old okay right? okay and the msk uh the msk crew is the current crew so like i claim both but i'm really an awr head who was a part of msk but like those and those guys like you know and i'm like i can't look i can't say the stuff that those guys have done in those crews yeah like my my crewmates like these guys have known them for you know very long time um i mean fuck 30 30 years, maybe longer, some of them. Um, fuck, I mean, those guys have done things like, those guys have far excelled, gone, those guys have gone so far past anything I ever did in graffiti. And, you know, it's 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 crazy. Like, graffiti is, um, I don't know, it's a really, I mean, it, it, it's a worldwide thing. Right? Absolutely. You're, you're tapped in. Absolutely. You're tapped into the entire world if you want to be. Um, and you're speaking a language that other people speak. Like, you know, I just like, I was just in Chile shooting a Pacifico commercial, awesome. and I yeah. hit up uh, I hit up Paisa. I was like, "Hey, who who do we got in Chile?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm gonna connect you to so and so, and then so and so connects me to um to to another head in Chile, and then also I'm I'm clicked in with this guy, and I'm like, "Hey, do you want to paint this paint? You want to paint? Because they're like, we need graffiti, and I'm like, "Well, I, I'm not gonna use one of your guys. I need to have someone connected to my guys. So you know, that's the that's the thing, right? Like it's it's your i don't know it's it's a it's an interesting thing again it's an outlaw thing right like i i have nothing but respect for journeyman graffiti writers and nothing but respect for like guys who to this day have like the illest throw up and and tags you know like because i know the time that it takes and i know what that means and i know how good it feels to be able to tag like feeling putting up a good tag feels so fucking good yeah. like it's like it hits you on some like it's like some gamified shit like it's just some shit where like you know it's the like same satisfaction you get from like you know to put in contemporary terms, like looking at Instagram or getting a like or something. It's like you put up <laughs> right, a tag that, that and you're dopamine like, it's a dopamine it's a or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's endless. It's like cocaine. They'll never, never get to the end of it. You can never be up too much. Okay. So what do you think? So with graffiti culture, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. something I've been wanting to report on. It's on, it's literally at the top of my LA in a minute board under cultures, graffiti culture. Number one, there's a lot of negative feedback. Yeah. This is an art. This is destruction. Um, that graffiti monument, the building downtown. Yeah. People are like, oh, no, you need to tear it down, disrespect, blah, blah, blah. G give me the, the counterpoint to that. I mean, the counterpoint is, is I don't know. I mean, I can't, I, I, technically, I can't say that, you know, if you do paint on someone's building, they have to fix it. It's yeah. true. It's vandalism. Like, it is. Okay. Um, and that's a truth. But the other truth is it is an art form also. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's not black and white. 
you know, like, and, um, and it's something that, you know, it, it was, it was created by kids in the street and it's a fully, you know, like it, the thing was just created from fucking thin air. Like some guy, you know, talking one a three tagging in New York or wherever that was, you know, and, um, and it, it is, it is mor- morphed into this thing, you know, that is just like, I don't know. It's, 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 you know, like when I was in Vegas, there was like that sphere was yes. being, was programmed by graffiti writers. You know, I'm coming in and I'm seeing like Hayes. I think it was Hayes. Like I'm seeing, it looked like Hayes. Hayes tags f- going over the sphere and then Cartoon wow. had the sphere covered and like all these fools, like, you know. So it's become something that, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to like, like those towers. Yeah. When I, I can just tell you my perspective. Yeah. yeah when I see it, it yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that's sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, when I see it, right? Yeah. They're not my towers. It's some Chinese Chinese company's towers. Yep. And yep. when I see it and I see, you know, and I talk to the guys about it, like they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're crushing shit. <laughs> that's what, that's, that's that what seems like doing. a sense of accomplishment too, like above and beyond just making yeah. like a dope tag. But, but they, they, they know, like you you guys don't, like civilians don't really know, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But other graffiti writers are like, oh shit, fucking OTR took up three floors per letter that's crazy and they know what that takes they know how much persistent that takes and how hard that is listen know? some of the people reaching out <clears throat> that wanted me to cover that story and i did um you know we're sending videos and again for a civilian who yeah. doesn't know what it takes you're like bro this is literally some death defying shit yeah. to get that up there in, in itself like that's pretty impressive but yes graffiti culture has now turned into an acceptable art form beyond the streets, you know, like yeah. art gallery. And like, like you said, cartoon, a household name. I mean, again, yeah. with tattoos and all that kind of stuff. But again, it comes from that, that route. And so that's where you were in Venice. Why is that when the name two tones, plural, by the way, came from? The Cause F- I always see you referred to as two tones when it's from that era. What is that? Why well, I, I just put the S on it, yeah, because it just balanced it out. There's no, there's okay. no reason. I just put the like when I write two tone, I put an S on it. I don't know why. Where did it come from, by the way? Why two tone was basically a name that was given to me by back to the eight ball posse. We were at this older. I've told the story so many times. We were at this older writer's house, and he's like, "What do you write?" And and uh, I was like, "I write era," and he goes, "No, you don't, Holmes. My way writes that." And I was like, "Oh." And this is like an older guy. We're just like all, we're little kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. And my homeboy Mikey's like, you should write two-tone. And I was like, that was it. And I wrote, and I wrote, that was how I got my name. Really? Literally right there. And that name has followed me for... Ever. Since, I mean, yeah. since like I, then, and I, right? And I, and, I, and, yeah. I did, and I have embraced, like over the years, you realize that like people are like, oh, you talking to Alex? Well, Alex who? Two-tone? Okay. So that's how people refer to you yeah. if you have a nickname. So I've embraced it. I've been like, okay, you know, as a director, I go Alex slash Two-tone is my name. is It's on the roster. If you look at Reset, you know, it says Alex Two-tone. That comes from graffiti. That comes from a place that there's a history behind that name. Depending on who you are, yeah. you you attach shit to that name. It's, it's you know... I mean, it sounds corny, but it's like I guess a brand at this point, something like that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I hate that term too, but it's but it's accurate. It makes sense. Yeah. What happened to Yogi Oso? <laughs> yeah, they, it just it just kind of you know. <laughs> Anybody still call you that? Some people. There's there's a few people. There's maybe a, two people that might be like, "What's up, Yogi?" You know. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a. Yeah. Was Did fun. you look like a bear or what? Yeah, like, for what? sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was like a little cute little chubby bear for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Venice and your relationship with Los Angeles as you're 
being a rebel as you're as you're bombing the city as you're go were, was it a thing for me where you know we talked we live with the valley where honestly growing up i was a super valley nerd i love the valley 818 somebody comes from the valley woo, i automatically like that for athletes that came to valley high school what was your relationship with la like did you realize like yo i love this city or is it like in retrospect now as obviously you've embraced well for the longest time I didn't get out of Venice. Like I was, I, you know, I didn't have a car. I don't think I got a car until I was like 19 or 20. And like a lot of kids had cars at 16. So I never left. I was on the bus, I was on the blue bus. So like the first time I kind of would start leaving the neighborhood was when I started hanging out with AWR and they'd be like, hey, we're going to Motor Yard. And I'd be like, cool, I would never been to Motor Yard. They're like, you've been? I'm like, yeah, of course I've been to Motor Yard. You know, I was lying, you know. And I, they come pick me up and take me to Motor Yard. I'm like, oh, what is this? You know, but like, I was stuck, I was a townie, man. Like I was, I was you know, cause every, you had everything there. You had everything you wanted in Venice, like at all times. Like it was a, it was a constant, endless summer. Like there was just, bar, it, was just it was endless. It was just like, you're at the beach every day, you're fucking around, getting high, there's a barbecue, there's a thing. You watch, these guys are getting in a fight. These guys are doing this, there's girls. Then you had also like the tourists. You just watch the tourists come in, yeah. and also all the other people from different cities. Like on Sunday, that was all my the parents, South Central comes man. In. Yeah. I got so many old pictures of us at at the boardwalk. You yeah. know what I mean? Like on vet. But my mom used to love it. The dude on the the guitar, roller Harry skate, Perry, all yeah. the live yeah. performers, all that stuff. And as a kid, you know, for me, and I was a young young kid. But you're like, that's it's like going to the circus, kind of, and you know, seeing people and seeing this lifestyle, yeah. not realizing that that's. Your lifestyle. I loved it. I fucking loved it. Loved. I used to love. I used to sit at the boardwalk, and you know, in my early late teens, early twenties, I would just be like, "Yo, I would just sit on a bench. You get a, you get yourself a bench. I would sit on a bench and like I could just sit there for hours, yeah. just looking at people, just staring, being like, what the fuck is that person doing? That's your kit. That's your that's your face for your whole life. That's what you look at in the morning. You're why, are you, sir? Why are you wearing a boa constrictor and a lace jumpsuit? Like, like just." You, it's the most insane shit. Yeah. Like it's like you're on another planet, right? And you right. just sit there, and it just it's in front of you. It's like, and I would sit there for hours. People would drag me away. They'd be like, "Can we?" I'm like, "All right, let's go." But like, <laughs> I would love it. I would fucking love it. Like, also Venice is, I mean, it's sick. The boardwalk is crazy. You know, all that shit. I mean, that's not, and that's not just Venice. Venice is not the boardwalk. Yeah, but no, that's of a course, facet of right, it, you know? right, right. Um, but yeah, were you a beach kid? Yeah. Yeah, I was a beach. I grew up. I grew up pretty close to the beach. I mean, go in the water, doing the whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. I'm yeah. oddly not a beach person as LA as I. I don't know. It just annoys me. I mean, I'll go, but it's it's too much. Okay. <clears throat> now, when did you? <clears throat> sorry about that. When did you start getting cr responsibility oriented from the sense of like I'm going to need to live a life and pay some bills and maybe might make it to 30 beyond did that was that an epiphany or just gradually happen were you working were you getting jobs were you selling we i mean yeah i know? did all that i did i everything yeah i dabbled in everything yeah but uh i think that you know there were a couple of things like one thing was like i there was there were points in my life like people always ask me you know people people talk about like workaholism but I've been on the other side of it. I've been on the opposite of a workaholic and just been like a bum. And like not being able to like, having all these ideas in my head, yeah. but not being able to connect the dots. Being like, I wanna make this t-shirt, not even figuring out how do I do, you know? Like for a long time, I couldn't figure out how to do shit. I couldn't do anything. And and I remember there were a couple things like, a couple things that changed my life as far as like my, my professional career. One was uh, I made this prank call CD 
and you know, again to the skits and all that. I was oh, a big prank call guy. Wow, that, that was, was a fun era, a man. Fun era, yeah. For any of you who remember, <laughs> I think the most high profile was like Jerky Boys or Jerky something. Boys, yeah, yeah, but that Longmont Potion Castle was a big influence prank on me. Prank calls were so yeah. dope. They don't exist anymore, right? No, I got no, no okay. one does. No one. That's an antiquated art form. Okay, but tell me. Go, but I remember I made this prank wow. call and I like recorded a full CD, made a track list, oh. pressed up the CD, and then did these like. Uh, made made covers for it. I made a thousand of them just as a project. Wow. I figured I got the money and like you know it was, it was a nominal amount of money somehow. And like I remember doing it and being like, "Whoa, I just made a product." And I gave it. I didn't sell any of them. Right. I just gave them away because I was like so excited to have made it. Good job. That was a pivotal moment for me. And also, I had a buddy from Kentucky who worked at the tattoo shop, and he's like, "Hey man, you should like you should learn how to tattoo." And I was like, "What?" Because in my mind, becoming a tattoo artist was like it was like it was like you're asking you're telling me i'm gonna become like a fucking rock star or some shit like i was like really i could do you know like nobody it was right before all these graffiti writers started figuring out they could tattoo yeah and and i was like well yeah i'll do whatever and he's like okay well take this sketchbook and i want you to fill it up with like banners so i was like all right and i just banner you know and he's like, okay now fill it up with skulls so i have a sketchbook where it's just like every page is like drawings of fucking banners, skulls, all this shit. You, you still know? have this? Oh, yeah, I still have Oh, that. that's yeah. badass. Okay. Yeah, so like, and that was another thing where like someone took an interest in me, someone believed in me, and said, you should do this, and then I did the thing. Yeah. So those two things were helpful. Like, you know, there's a bunch of other things along the way. Yeah. But like within that, in that process, I like, I got myself back into school. I went to SMC, which is a classic, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they used to call it high school with ashtrays, but like, you know. <laughs> That, but uh, a classic. Did you get your GED and all that stuff? Listen, I got my GED. Yeah, I got. I you know I was taking art classes and and you know and I got myself into UCLA UCLA, UCLA film, Ooh, which was like yeah. at the time no small feat. I mean it was like no small was, feat. Come no. on, it's one of the best in the world. Always the, has been. Yeah, yeah. It was like I got into UCLA. I also got into. I think I got into SC and I might have gotten into California. Wait, so what? was that trigger that's a big step though Well, because i always i always had a burning desire to make films always i just couldn't put the i couldn't i did not have this like there was something broken in how i looked at like how like i couldn't put shit together and i couldn't believe that i could do anything now if you're a kid you can make a phone you can make a move with your fucking phone yeah yeah Yeah. but i couldn't figure and also it was a different time it was before digital like this is you know so like you had to find you had to find a 16 millimeter eight millimeter camera shoot the film and then you had to find a way to chop the fucking film hold like, on and this is without the internet by the way no to internet. even research how no, no. to do any we of these magazines things, baby yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. fucking internet yeah, yeah yeah but uh you know and but but yeah i i i got myself into uh into ucla film wow and again i am terrible at school my add my disassociation like i would i would take a whole eight hour I would sleep for eight hours, have a hot coffee, go to class, and then fall asleep because I just couldn't. I'm not good at being taught. Yeah, I'm terrible at being taught. I'm, I'll learn on the job. Yeah, that's why I never really learned actual like cinematography because I couldn't. I couldn't take in like the my. I'm with numbers. I couldn't figure out the math. Yeah, I know what I want. I know what feels good. I know how to shoot things, but I'm not a cinematographer, right? Yeah. But when when there was when the when the head of the program was teaching a class on Scorsese and telling us that his friends with Scorsese, you know I fucking listen then. Right. Because right. of course, like Goodfellow, you know, so we're watching Goodfellow. I'm like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. I'm watching, yeah. you know, I'm, you got my attention now. Ooh, so yeah. like, you know, I, you know, and, and, and I went out and I shot, I shot, you know, I shot my student film. I did like a, I did like a weird knockoff of Belly, you know. Good job. On, on okay. a 16 millimeter. I never, I don't think I I've was ever, it? it was like, you know, it's all right. It was like, 
it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. It's not good. But I never finished it. I never yeah. I don't I never finished cutting it, but I remember shooting it and I remember being in these editing bays. Yeah. In UCLA, the, the, the editing the editing machine was as big as this fucking table. Okay, okay. And it's two gigantic, like there's giant spools and they're being round Ooh. and there's a screen and, the, and you're actually physically cutting. You have this little thing that chops the film Ooh. and you're taping it together and you're taping together your sound. I'd be, I'd be leaving at seven in the morning like after cutting, physically cutting and chopping film. Yeah. Like crazy, you know? But, you know, again, like I did, it, as much as I was unteachable, I did learn a lot. Like I learned how to make a shot list I learned not unteachable, and again, this some I've learned. It's is school teaches a certain way, and not everybody learns that yeah, yeah, way. So, of course, that. you were teachable, and you were this sponge for information, just not somebody out lecturing and being like, and then you do this, or no, 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 stuff. Right? Yeah. Okay, so go on. So and but I think, and also, like I wasn't like a, one of my one of my faults. I realize is that sometimes I don't want to do, I don't want to do heavy lifting. Like I don't want to watch something that isn't pretty accessible, which isn't true. It doesn't mean I don't have like taste in films, but like, you know, I didn't I didn't get into like Truffaut and like some of the fucking you know, um, some of the stuff that you know, some of the uh, the French New Wave stuff I didn't click into really. Yeah. It didn't connect with me. Okay, and some of that is like I just didn't connect to it, and some of it is I just didn't have the bandwidth, the attention span to let it soak in. Right, and it's important. That shit's pivot. That shit's important for your you know as an artist like. You need to be aware of that shit. You know, right. it makes you better right. and stronger. But like, they're you know. So look, you know. But anyways, look. I dropped out. Of, I dropped out of UCLA too. I dropped out. Of, I left UCLA in good standing. Uh, this is, and I'm fast forwarding a few years. And I remember That's at the time, right. yeah. you know, I was living with this with this uh, girlfriend of mine. You're still in Venice at this time. Still in Venice. Cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Penmar in this bungalow, and uh, I'm living in Venice, and 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 I was also. It was strange because someone had offered me a tattoo apprenticeship. Years later, after we're learning, I was at this place called Tattoo Asylum. This guy, this guy named Andy Neville, they offered me, and, and the guy named Swag, his name was Swag, English guy, they offered me an apprenticeship. And okay. I was like, and I was, in, I was in college. I was like, well, I can't say no to this thing because it was a childhood dream. So I'm juggling a tattoo apprenticeship and going to, going to UCLA. And then I ended up like, I ended up not, I ended up leaving UCLA. Okay. I don't exactly know why. But I left in good standing. Okay. And okay. I always have this fantasy that I'm going to go back and like do the writing program. But hey. Like, I don't, I don't well, think it's going to happen. Could but. be, man. We'll go back together. I have this fantasy that I'm going to go back to UCLA someday. Oh, really? Probably not going to happen, but maybe if we go together, let's maybe. go. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I, it, you know, and then I left UCLA, and then um, I was, you know, I had these, I had these dreams of, of making films, but I, I put them on hold because I had to start, you know. I also was like, and also around that time, I think previously, you know, I was also working. Like I worked as like, you know, I worked at Bay City's Deli because my friends. You did. Oh, yeah. Dude, 1929, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Found it. Bay City's, by the way. Godmother, awesome, excellent, yeah. legendary. Wow. you What, yeah, what were you doing at Bay City? Well, my friend's family owned it, right? The Howards. And they and they, they got me a job. I was basically a grunt. Like I was sweeping me. Yeah. Well, that's how it is. You know, like it, it, was, it was just after the earthquake. It was just oh after, shit! Okay, okay. The big one, yeah. Yeah. It was just after the earthquake, so one of my jobs for a week was like cleaning up oil. <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. it was terrible, yeah. bro. It was terrible. And and you know, and uh, you know, I remember like the first day on the job. It was brutal. The first day on the job, I go and I go in the bathroom to just take a break and hide. Yeah. And yeah. I sit on the toilet and I just and I close my eyes and fucking the boss kicks the door open. What are you doing? I'm like, God damn, he busted. 
He just knew. Wow. I remember. I remember that. I was like, God damn it! Like, what am I supposed to do? You know. But dude, the food services industry is no joke. It's no Whether joke. it's grocery, restaurant, market, yeah. store, yeah. thin margins, high demand. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough biz. So yeah, he was on your ass, right? Go yeah. On. Like I had a job at a at a shoe store on the promenade. I used to work at Eddie Bauer. Wow. I was a plumber's okay. assistant. I worked for my friend's dad as like a you know a, a construction fucking helper. Just you know. The demo, like I did all kinds of shit, you yeah. know, uh, trying to figure out how to just like pay the bills or keep shit moving or whatever, you know. And at the time, but also I was at the time, like I was writing, you know, I wrote, I, you know, I, I would just become obsessed with these projects and I wrote, um, I would write prose, right? So I wrote, actually, it was before I got in UCLA, I'm writing and I wrote, um, I wrote a novel. Wow. Yeah. Based on like oh. my childhood in Venice and I wrote a sequel to that novel. Yeah. But I never showed them to anybody. Because I got scared, and and I always oh, I have another man. dream too, where I'm going to go back and like dust them off and punch. You them still up. have them? Yeah, I have them. Yeah. Are you? By the way, are you an? I'm not using the word pack rat. Yeah. I'm going to call it an archivist. Yeah. Uh, do you keep all your old shit? I mean, I mean, yeah. That's part of me. Um, I, I saw that. I saw that. By the way, got to let you know his studio slash office. There's art everywhere some completed stuff some that looks like doodles some that's clearly like mid project but all over and this is like kind of an insight i feel like into two tones mind where you just yeah. step inside the studio and you're like this man is a genius with this a creative genius with some of this beautiful work but there's like 17 different like works like yeah. in various stages of being finished and everything at this point so it's, well, it's, it's interesting it's, yeah what's interesting about that is that I, you know, there's a book, there's a book by um, John Irving. I think it's John Irving. He wrote uh, The World According to Garp. It's called A Prayer for Owen Meany. And I keep thinking about this book. I read it a long time ago. And the whole book is like, is like this guy is preparing to do something. And he does it at the very end of the book. And I have been saving things, right? Saving pieces of paper, like the, like with notes on them. Like, yeah. And I don't know why, but I knew. I was like, I'm going to need this. And I'm saving all this stuff. And like, and like my whole life I've been like doing drawings. Occasionally I do an art show here and there, uh, you know, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, like I would be asked to be a part of a group show, not a solo show, I'd be part of a group show. You know, you're in the graffiti world, people ask you, you know, yeah, I'll be in this show, I'll do that, fuck around, drawings. And like I'm doing all this stuff, I'm saving all this stuff, I have all these flat files. And then very recently I had a friend of mine who's an artist ask me to be in a group show, which was uh, over at Charlie James. And I was like, and every time I've done an art show, I've always been very stressed out because it's scary. It's like you're butt naked in front of, of people. Course, Putting your art on a wall man, is fucking terrifying. Of course. So I, I just said to myself, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna do what I like to do. I'm gonna do what feels good. So I got these giant boards, and all of that shit came into play. I'm talking like 15 year old sketches. Took that, glued it on the board, oh, painted over that. Wow. It all, it all happened. It all, and it came together. And it's some of the best shit I've. I've some of my most favorite shit I've ever Wow. Done. And I put it in the show and it was like well received and it was like I was really happy with what happened. But like I was able to take like it's so weird. It's like it's like the thing where like you know you ha you have this weird uh, wrench and it doesn't fit anything, yeah. but you don't throw it away and then one day you're like, "Oh fuck, it does it turns off the gas main." You know? And like and it, it, that, that, that's a, that's an that argument shit. for being a hoarder, which I'm not a hoarder because all this stuff, like I don't save fucking weird shit like tinfoil and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But I do save like every drawing. I save every all my all my writing journals and sketchbooks. I save them all. I mean, I have stacks of them. That's important. Though. I save a lot of shit, and I've and I've had multiple. Like I also have like you know fucking twenty hard drives. Like I've lived. 
a lot of different I, I've had multiple different lanes of things that I've done yeah and I, but I've been doing these things for 20 years plus so like if when I tell people they're like what do you do I'm like well I do this I do this I do this I feel like an asshole because I'm like it sounds like you you sound like a flake if you're like oh I, I direct and I have a podcast and I have a clothing company and I also make art and I also write and when I say that to people I feel like it's insane but like the reality is I actually do all that yeah, shit and it's all you're finally doing it yeah. then you're doing it yeah. yes yeah. somehow okay so go let's go back to the 2000s sure where were you at this is like after the bay city's construction plumber assistant stuff where was your life and where were you at yeah early thousands i think i got i got my first actual job uh when i when i was like early thousands i got a job probably like i don't know 2000 fuck i don't know three four something like that i got a job as a, a i had a fr- I had some friends from orange county and i was looking for a job i was like i had just hit 30. okay and i was like oh the gig is up it's over like and i fucked around i fucked around in my i fucked around in my 20s i fucked when i talk to kids now and they're like i'm like you are so ahead of the game because i fucked around and i hit 30 i was like oh shit the gig is up i'm 30. it's time to get it together and i just started trying to figure out and i was like desperate to have a real job wow a real job that so spoke really to my skill set it hit you though it hit like me hard 30 huh okay yep. okay keep going and and i knew some guys like i had made the, you know i had a friend named ray Venetta who was from like long beach orange county area and he used to i met him through the rave days and he used to yes. come up to, to hang out with us and you know there's another guy named jason and like they were like hey we know a guy that's looking for an art director for a denim company and i'm and i'm and again, like I'll do anything. I'm like, I need a fucking job. Yeah. So I drive to fucking Orange County. Mm. Now, personally, not a huge fan of Orange County. Same. So, like, just, Although it used to be part of Los Angeles County, that's the credit I'll give you. Right. But go on. Okay. Yeah. There are some great people there. Yes. Shout out to Pat and Ruka and that crew and like, but not a huge fan of like it's just the whole place is a fucking mall is fucked up. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh so I go and I interview with this guy for this denim company. And I don't even really know Photoshop that well. Okay. But I bullshit my way into this job. And I'm the art director. Yeah. And I have a couple guys that work under me. And I'm like, oh my God. So now I'm the fucking art director. Right off the bat. And there's a yeah. kid named Keith who's working next to me. He's my ju- he's my junior designer. And he, he's next to me on a computer. And I just basically watched him and, and said like, hey man, what's the hotkey for this? How do I copy paste this? How do I clip this out? And I learned Photoshop on the job as this guy's boss. Wow. You know, you gotta, you gotta fake it till you make it sometimes. You gotta bullshit. But, but here's the thing. This is yeah. the thing. Yeah. This is what I realized in that whole escapade is that ideas are king. So if I have an idea, yeah. It's that's that supersedes everything. If I'm like, hey, I need a fucking picture, you know, like I need to paint the Mona Lisa goddamn doing a head spin, like, well, I can't do it, but somebody will. And the idea is what's king. It's not the fucking construction, it's the it's the blueprint, right? Yeah. That's really it. And so I realized that because I didn't have the fucking skills to actually execute, but I had the ideas. Yeah. And I had a and I had a sense of like I've always had a sense of like what's happening in the kind of zeitgeist of culture. Like I just, I pay attention to it. I'm fully, you know, I was fully obsessed with music and like, and, and just everything at that time. And Ooh, yeah. and I and I use all that stuff and, and to, to help guide the way, you know, mu- I was obsessed with music and pop culture and contemporary culture and media and all these things. And I used that to guide how I designed and, <coughs> you know, created this thing. And I stayed there for a year and I left and I, I went freelance. And then I was freelance working for people as like, uh, you know, freelance graphic artist and like you know i remember like doing you know i remember i did a job where i was like designing 
I was designing a package for like a helmet liner. You know, I'm on, I'm an illustrator for like a week, like d- drawing, vectorizing. You know, it's just it's it's brutal work. Like yes. tech packs, and I don't know people, all you designers out there who know what I'm talking about. But doing a tech pack in the Illustrator back in the day and tracing anchor points is like it'll make you'll fucking melt your brain. Like I did oh. so much, I did so much of that shit like making tech packs and doing all this stuff that like I won't even touch one. I won't even Wow. There's no world where I'm ever going to open a tech pack. I'm I'm melted from that shit. But then this guy this guy from the old job who I worked with was like, "Hey, do you want to start a clothing company?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe." And he goes, "Well, I know this manufacturer. We go to this place in in Gardena Compton and we have a meeting with this guy and he goes, "Do you want to start a clothing company?" And we're like, "Yeah." He goes, "Okay, let's go." Like it was weird. He just gave us the keys. He's like, "Okay, just go." So now I'm in a factory. Okay. I'm what year f- is this? If this you is can. like 05 ish. I'm in a factory in in Compton, yeah. in Gardena. And we have an office on top of the print floor. So, like, you're basically like, there's this entire print floor, and all the fumes are going up into this mm. into this bird's nest office. And those fumes are for real, man. Those fumes are no joke. Uh, uh, and, I, and I lived there for a long time. Ooh. I lived because I'm obsessive. And I was like, and I. And I didn't understand also, I learned a lot of lessons there too. And I understand that like you can over-design. I didn't know that. Because I, 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 my, my philosophy was like, everything's got to be fucking out of control sick. Yeah. It's got to burn. Everything's got to, and like, that's not really how shit, that's not really designing. Like everything, you know, I, I would, I would fucking obsess over a button and like design the button to where I'm like working on a button and like putting a little, there's like a little universe in the button of drawing. Like it was crazy. Everything was hand drawn. So I did that. And that company, um, you know, we were in the beginning of like this whole wave of, you know, it was like right before uh, Christian Audigier, Ed Hardy hit. Okay. And Von Dutch. It was right before Von Dutch hit. And we were kind of like in this weird, like, because I, I had a pedigree in men's uh, premium. So like that's kind of Fred Siegel's shit. Okay. But I was more of a streetwear person. That's where my heart was at. So it was like kind of premium men's streetwear shit. And... um so I had that company and then like we, me and my partner took the company, we bought it, we bought out the other guy from the manufacturing place. We sold it to uh, this guy that owns a company called Massive Printing, which is like one of the biggest print companies in LA. Still? Still. Okay. Courtney Dubar and, and company. They they owned like, I don't know, Affliction, shit okay. like that. Okay. They were monsters, okay. right? Monsters. Yeah. So now I'm in another factory. Like I'm like what I I'm I, I'm living in another fucking factory. Now I'm working on this thing in this other guy's factory because like that's that's that Garmento shit. Like that's that fucking that shit is dirty. Like you're fucking in a factory. There's thousands. Like it's just like grimy. Like even though you're in the office, yeah. You just there's this like monstrous machine going on. You go and look at the shit on the press. I mean it's it's like you're you're on the ground floor. It's not like you're in an office and you send the shit to the you know you're in there. You're yeah. in the factory. Yeah. So I'm in this factory and again like I'm. I'm like a workaholic. I remember I remember Courtney. I always tell people this story. I remember Courtney one night, like I was leaving the I was leaving the office at like, I don't know, two thirty AM and he goes, he's very understated dude. But a, he's he's a boss, right? Okay. Very understated dude. And I remember leaving at like two thirty in the morning. Like that's the kind of hours I was putting in. Yeah. He goes, You going home? And like my and my fucked up brain, like for a minute, was like feeling guilty. I was like, "Oh my god, am I?" You know, like that's how demented. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. You know, he wouldn't say much, but what he did, you know. But anyway, so like, oh yeah, it was crazy. So like, you know, that company, and then that company got, then he took the company and licensed it to another company. So now he licensed it to a company back in Orange County hmm. called La Jolla Group. So La Jolla Group now has 
my company and now i'm like back now i'm driving back and i'm and i hated the commute i didn't like orange county i don't like every it's just very shiny and polished and culturally kind of like it's a pre-planned like metropolis if you will very yeah. clean yeah, i mean again, love- i'm not even saying that like like clean is a bad thing but it just it artificial can be, seems there's there's a yeah. lot of like artificiality about it but yeah, yeah go on sorry guys don't don't mean to make this a bashing orange county bashing thing, but yeah, yeah go on. but you know it is what it is like you know so i'm down there and and uh i'm working in this you know i'm in this giant corporation that houses a bunch of different companies and and again like i'm i feel tortured you know this is the one thing right through all this time I wasn't doing what I really wanted and needed yeah. to do with myself. So I felt tortured and that affected me like in my relationships, like, and it still to this day has like, if I'm not doing what I want professionally, cause I'm, yeah. I'm an artist, right? I, you yeah, know, I, I can say that. Say that t- when you said tortured, I was literally going to say tortured artist. I was tortured. Right I was there, like, yeah. you know, I remember the owner of the company would come in and tell me to make like, you should make like jeans, like true religion. And I was like, what the <laughs> You know, like, what are you talking, you know, and he wasn't, you know, it just random, like, so I mean, and that's, and that, and that's where it leads us up to like, I'm working with Styles of Beyond, I'm fucking around with them on the yeah. weekends, I'm going to the Valley, I'm making music, and then I leverage this job, and I go, hey, we need to do a photo shoot, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a music video, and like, I, I got that company to pay for, which is my company, but owned by someone else, to pay for the music video. Okay. And then once I made that music video, I was like, oh, fuck. And then shortly after, they, they've they stopped funding my company, which is perfect, okay. and I left there. And then, then I'm making music videos. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm flying. Yes. Like, I'm like, I remember for a year, I was like, I was on cloud, I was, I couldn't believe it. I could not, fucking believe that i figured it out because as a kid i couldn't figure anything out yeah i could not piss straight or put point a to b to c i could not connect the dots no matter what i did and i just couldn't do it and it's not hard to do i just i didn't have the i don't know what it was i just couldn't do it and now i'm like i'm making videos so i had had a bunch of money from these companies that i had like stocked away i was gonna buy a house i didn't buy a house so i take the money that I made because I wasn't gonna fucking work my way through that system. I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna be a PA. I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna like kiss someone's ass for, you know, I can't, I don't know how, I can't do it. I was like, I'm gonna basically find people and like throw money at them to make their videos. So I found like, I found Iggy Azalea on the internet. She had one video and I go, listen, I wrote her an email, I go, listen, here's where I think you are and what you're doing, let's make some videos. So we made like five videos together, you know, and I, I would throw a little bit of money at it. I'd be like, here's three grand, you know, and like I did videos for, you know, I did a lot, I did a bunch of shit. Like I did a bunch, a bunch of music videos. And I, again, like I was, you know, music videos are grueling and very unforgiving. It's, it's hard work Yeah, and there's no money. I was going to say it's not rewarding. Yeah, like yeah. there was the Puffy era where they were make, there was a lot of money, then it died, everything went digital. Now there's money again. Like people are making money in videos, but it's tough. Okay. Like there's only a, okay. only a few people really are going to make money in a music video. But as an art form, it's fucking like when it hits, when the music and the imagery match, it's incredible. there's nothing. It's unparalleled. Yeah. It's still, so, it's, it's a story. It's an awesome form of storytelling. It's man. awesome. It's like, amazing. Yeah, some, amazing. Of the, some of the best music videos uh, some of those videos, some of those mu- music videos that inspired me have affected me so much, you know, and like, um, but anyway, so yeah, so then I started making music videos and I'm doing that and that's when Sponto comes in. Yeah. Hey, so you always hear me talking about our good friends at Cerritos Auto Square. They sell more, so you save more. But check this out. I didn't realize this. But with their 23 powerhouse dealers, it's the largest auto center by annual sales 
in the entire country. And check this out. They made a documentary about the creation of this SoCal institution. And honestly, I watched it. There is a ton of archival footage from old SoCal, Los Angeles, Cerritos, stuff I've never seen before, going back to when the area was all dairy farms. And I didn't realize how much work and innovation went into creating the world's largest auto center. I'm talking partnerships with organizations, dealerships, the community. This was a massive, massive project, and it helped Cerritos in the area get to be what it is today. Now get this. You can watch this documentary for free at CerritosAutosquare.com slash movie. And I really, really want you to check this out. It's like an episode of LA in a Minute on steroids. And again, you can watch it for free. CerritosAutosquare.com slash movie. It's really good. It's really fun. And it's the story of our friends at Cerritos Auto Square. They sell more, so you save more. All right. We're back. And now we're getting to when two-tone... Met Sponto. Tell me about that. Okay, so Sponto and I grew up in the same neighborhood, different generation. I knew who Sponto was. Okay. He knew who I was. Um, but we didn't hang out. He was on some gang shit. I was on some graffiti shit. And plus, as he was coming up in the neighborhood, I was getting out. You know, I left I left Venice and kind of ended up in uh, Los Feliz like 13, maybe 14 years ago. Okay. Right? So, okay. Uh, but... Um, so anyway, Sponto tracks me down through a, through our friend Casey. Guy, guy, he's the leader of of, of AWR and, and Seventh Letter Crew and you know in Gallery. So like he he's working with Casey on shit. He's tracking me down. He's Casey's like, hey fool, uh, uh, Sponto's looking for you. I'm like, oh shit, this can't be good. <laughs> so you Sponto- had you knew who he was, but had not known him, correct? Just, yeah, like just I knew we we were you know we were in the same place. Had you time, met we were, though? Not really. We never really chopped it up. Cut, we were aware cut, of each cut. other. So, so he hits me up, and I'm like, "All right, let, let's." And oh, the first time we we crossed paths is that I'm at a trade show, and he's at a trade show, and I have this booth where like I had papered, I had covered the booth in like all these old kind of like Venice pictures, and he came by the booth and like you know caught a tag on one of the things, and like, and and then I saw a sticker. Um, that said born and raised gentrification is genocide and I was like oh shit this is crazy uh, like this is like you know because the thing the thing that um, thing that I liked about the sticker was like it was political and I had gone through the same thing of like not being you know like I'm aware of that shit of gentrification all these things and like understanding that like I can't buy a house in the neighborhood I grew up in because it's like you're priced out fucking beyond yeah. and uh, I remember seeing it and being like damn this is crazy like someone's actually trying to say something in in a, in a you know in streetwear which people usually don't have much to say at that time they okay. didn't so so yeah he we, we crossed you know we're tweeting each other boom 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 by the and, way this is like 2012-ish yep, around there 2012 yeah okay so then we meet at the coffee bean <laughs> yeah, in Los Feliz <laughs> and we sit down and he's there with the, with Reese, and him and Reese were talking. And uh, excuse me. By the way, Coffee Bean proud Los Angeles brand. A lot of people don't know that, but Is Coffee that LA Bean brand? Came, from, came from L.A. Oh shit! And they invented. They don't call it the Frappuccino, but the ice blended came from Coffee Bean. Okay, you know I gotta give my L.A. history. Shout All right, out go to Coffee Bean. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking to him, and I'm like, man, this dude's got he's got game. He's charismatic. Yeah, as hell. And he was just like really on you know like really switched on and i'm talking to him and i'm like i know and i'm thinking i'm like fuck this guy's 
this guy's like, you know, he's really excited about this thing he wants to do. And he's like, I want you to like, you know, I want your advice on born and raised. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't want to be involved in the clothing business. I'm a director, you know, but I'm like, you know what I'll do? I'll make you a film. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm like, I think, and this is the, this is when Instagram just started. I was like, I think that films are going to be a big part of, of clothing pretty soon. Like, I think, I think that we're going to need, I think that that's going to be a part of like how people communicate in these companies. And it was before it really was. You just felt this. What is yeah. this? Is this, this your artist's soul telling you that this direction just, is this just, wishful thinking? Is this cause you're an adopter? Well, I also, I also you... really wanted to make films. So like yeah. it was whether or not it was going to be true or not. I, I believed it. And it was an excuse for me to make a film. Yeah. And I go, listen, you have access to, Venice that no one knows about except for Venetians and you you have a you got the keys you can go anywhere you want to go like you can run you can and like let's shoot Venice like let's make a film in Venice so we make this film and it's the first born and raised film and like he has his dad come in from Memphis his dad's a native uh, blues musician his dad and his mom hadn't seen each other in who knows how long uh, his dad comes in uh, his mom's cooking fry bread uh, and we're shooting all these scenes in Venice. We shoot a we shoot a scene of people being jumped into a gang. We shoot we shoot uh, Estevan taking pictures of mm-hmm. girls sleeping in a bathtub, which they used to do because of drive-bys. Like we're shooting all this stuff, this grit, and it's like me and you know. And the funny thing too, I, I said to Spondo, I go, he goes, how much is it going to cost? I go, it'll cost you three thousand dollars. He's like, what the fuck? I'm like, bro. Like it was like just enough to pay like for the rental for the camera and maybe yeah maybe. this shit ain't cheap dude yeah but, just run around three, with an iPhone only in a minute style yeah well right. the iPhone wasn't even yeah it oh, wasn't even point. capable back then okay. you couldn't even right. make video on I don't think on the iPhone wow. but I don't think okay. um no I don't think you could back then okay. and uh okay. and also 3K is is a joke it's nothing it doesn't get you a fucking treatment you know yeah. and he I remember him balking I'm like just trust me so we make this film and it's beautiful like you know um. It was just one of those moments, and you know, I've, you know, I've said this a bunch of times, but it stands true. Is that one of those moments where, you know, sometimes every every once in a while, every few years on set, you have a moment where everything lines up, and you can feel the electricity, and like there's a spooky vibe, like you know, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up, and like, you know, and like it was just one of these things where we wanted it to be sunny, but it was rainy, and we were shooting black and white, and it looked way better in the rain than in the sun, you know, and we're shooting it's like. Dope. Yeah. You know, we're, and it's very dark and it's moody and his father's there and it's like, you know, and like it was just everyone was firing on all cylinders. Like his father came, he needed, to, he was supposed to write a song. He didn't write the song. So I take his father into his brother's room and I just bang out like a, you know, cause I have history in music and skits and writing. Mm-hmm. And I just bang out this like, you know, really simple blues song. Like one, boom, just write it real quick. Give it to his dad. His dad records it in one take, like shit like that. It was crazy. Wow. He just puts on the guitar and Everything's starts going. Everything's aligned. Yeah, man. that's because we're yeah. born and raised. And like, and you can see it. And his dad's in the film. He's smoking. Like, so we shoot this thing over the course of a day or two. And I cut it, and I'm just like, "Fuck, this is the best thing I've done." Like, I was like, "This is crazy," because I because I'm getting to shoot narrative. Yeah. And that's why I started. That's why I got involved with Born and Raised because I want to shoot narrative. Yeah. The only reason, yeah. like, I was like, I don't want to make clothes. I want to fucking shoot culture. I want to shoot what's happening. I want to shoot narrative. And like, so that's exciting we make the film we put it out and then you know he's 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 hitting me all the time like let's do this this that i'm like ah but then i start hitting him back and i'm like yo i got an idea for you you should take this because he had one shirt i'm like you should do this as a teacher and he'd be like well how do i do it? i'm like let me just do it for you so i'd whip it up on the computer send it to him and then i'd do it i'd be like oh, i got another idea for you you should do this well how do i do it let me just do it so then i'm like well, i guess i'm doing it yeah even though i protested i was like i guess i'm fucking doing this thing 
And yeah, I go because now you're feeling it. Now you're not being asked to do true true religion genes. Right, it's a little bit more right. your direction. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like. I'm like, I guess, I guess I'm doing it. And I go, you know what? Let, let's do, let's let's put this together. And I get him. We have another partner named Murph. Okay. Um, you know, it's crazy. Murph, Sponto, and his dad—they're all—they've all passed. It's crazy. Wow. I know. When I think, I don't. I never stopped to think about it, but it's crazy to me. Like yeah. they're all fucking just not here. Wow. Um. So. R.I.P. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Murph. <laughs> Murph, uh, Murph hits us with with a shoebox full of cash. It's like 40, 40 you know, something. He gives us a shoebox full of cash to start the company. It's badass. Yep. And, and and we're in my apartment in Los Feliz. Was it a here you go? Was there a contract? Like how did that? I I, I set everything up on legal Zoom. Oh, all right. All you know, right, I was like, yeah. we're doing this officially. We're gonna make okay. contract. There's okay. an LLC. Yeah. I basically come in and go. Here's I know how to structure. I'm gonna build a structure for us. Right. Okay. And we make this agreement. I'm like, look, I'll be the director. You're the actor. You're the front man, you know? And, like, I will build this thing behind you and we push you as, you know. So, and he loves that. Sponto's like, Sponto really liked being in the limelight. He really wanted to be, like, he's like, he I want to be. He was good at it, man. Yeah. He was genuine. Yeah, he was really, he was fucking. Yeah, he was great. He was better than he even knew. He used to be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm like, no, dude. You, you're good. Like, you're fucking good money. Like, don't, you know. And he was very nervous about, like, wanting to come off a certain way and like you know you couldn't tell but he was he was very like, and like i just Bro. saw an interview with him i believe it was canvas don't quote me but he was saying like i found out it's called imposter syndrome where he was like <laughs> he's he was saying that he had imposter syndrome. it's so funny because somebody yeah. like so real but that's everybody well successful. you haven't listen you can he didn't have imposter syndrome in the streets but if it was coming into a business for the business that yeah that's terrifying clear, if you're coming it's really hard yeah. for guys to right. come from one place to the next because like you, it's a whole different set of rules Dude. you can't run shit the way you know right I mean, you can, but it's not going to be good. So anyways, um, so yeah, we, you know. We, box of cash, LLC, box set of cash, up the company. Set up the LLC, box, and I go, okay, all right. And and, and, and I go, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, we, we're, we're going to make a website. We're going to do a drop on the website. Um, we're going to, we're going to make these like gift boxes. So I'm like, I got an idea. We're going to get, we're going to make wooden shoe boxes and we're going to populate the box with like, these a care package like the best care package you like a care package that you would want to receive and you'd be amazed by so in the box is like a pair of boots with a company we were working with called gourmet uh a a rolled up t-shirt stickers a pack of american spirit which is like a tobacco offering which is a native thing a handball because the handball courts some weed maybe some pills and like whatever other little interesting things that pertain to the person we're giving it to in this little shoe box. Okay. And we made these boxes, I mean like 20 of them just started giving them to people in the, in the industry as a, as a way of being like, Hey, hi, here we we're coming in wow. respectfully. We're going to come in and we're going to kick up fucking dust. Like that's what that was. Yeah. And that's what, that's what those things, that's what that signaled. And we did, we came in and like, when we came into the into the into the world of, of what, what, you know, street, you know, 10, 11, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's 24. 11, no, 10 years ago. Um, you know, the, that our version of streetwear wasn't, it wasn't happening. It was very, I think it, I think it had been gotten, gotten very safe and homogenized. I think okay. I could be wrong. I'm guessing, but like also there was no, no one was saying anything politically. Nothing was really about like the culture of the community. That's yeah. not people's angle. That was our angle, not on purpose. It was just kind of where we came from. Like, it was just like, 
we need to shoot some kids. Let's grab these kids down the street. You know, like it was just like who was around us. You know, like Sponto had access to everyone. Everyone loves. Yeah. Sponto was like, you, listen, you get in a car with Sponto and drive around Venice. You can't go two blocks without getting stopped, pulled over. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. Like he was a man of the people. Yeah. He yeah. knew everybody and, and 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 everyone and you know and he was relentlessly. And out his there. family had been there for ninety years or yeah. some shit too. By the way. Yeah. 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 His dad used to be a busker at Venice Beach. I mean, it was a whole thing. So. So yeah, we're off and running. You know, we open up. Do you new, have any of those old boxes left? I do. Yeah, I have a bunch in my office. Yeah, they're empty, but I have them. There I have the boxes. Yeah, yeah. That. Okay, yeah. go on, go on. Um, and then we're off and running, and uh, they're really old because it was before we 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 had the rocker logo as the main logo. It was the Snooty Fox and the and the Corpo font. So <laughs> we're off and running, and you know we open up. Um, we open up Union and Colette and all these different stores around the world. And it's like, we're in like 12 great boutiques and we're just like over the moon. We're like, holy shit. You know, you think, you think if you open up a door, you've made it. Yeah. We're in Colette and we're fucking gold, you know, like, but that's just like, that's just the fucking beginning of the beginning of the beginning. So anyways, we open up all these doors. We're doing an installation in Union. I shoot a second film called the town I live in. And I remember, we screened the film at the party and you know, it was packed out, the place is packed out and we screened the film. And I remember, I remember showing the film and I remember this girl next to me was like crying. And I was like, I was so moved. Like that for me is more than, yeah. if someone's moved by something I've done, it makes yeah, me feel like I actually fucking awesome, exist. You know what I mean? Man, yes. And um, so we shot that thing and then Sponto goes to, goes to Palm Springs with, it, with someone he's seen at the time and he comes back and he's feeling sick. And he's like, I gotta go to the hospital. I'm like, all right. And he calls me and he's like, I got cancer. I'm like, no, you don't. He goes, yeah. I'm like, come on, bro. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I got cancer. And he's like, I have something called lymphoma. So I go to the hospital, bring my dog in there, which is like, I took my dog everywhere. You're not supposed to bring a dog in a hospital in a cancer where I bring Omar in a backpack. You know, he loves Omar. And, you know, we're in there and we're talking. Omar, by the way, female dog, which, female dog, which yeah. is an interesting story and how it got the name. But I don't want to dissuade. Keep going. Yeah. So you got Omar in the backpack. Omar's in the, hospital. In the backpack. I'm in there, you know, and uh, um, he's sick. He's got, you know. I remember the, the nurse came in and like, basically the way she told him is she threw a, she threw a pamphlet on his on his bed and the pamphlet's like so you have cancer you know i was like what the fuck is going on so he's got oh. cancer and like i don't know how to i'm not equipped to deal with any with i can barely keep my own shit straight i don't know how to deal with like a person i've just invested with in a business like you know a business is a marriage if you have a business partner that's your fucking husband okay. like there's no way around Man. it right yes. like yes and you know and if you're willing to like for better or for worse, like a motherfucker, right? Like you have to, if you, you're invested, you're both invested into this thing. So no matter what, you have to stay in, you know? Yeah. And I remember when he got sick and it was like, we had just launched. And, uh, and I remember calling him and I go, I go, well, I got two options here. One is for me to be like, hey man, good luck. I gotta go, I'm gonna go make some music videos. We tried, but like you have something to deal with. Yeah. Or the other is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on my back. And I'm, I'm going to carry born and raised while you're sick. And I chose B out of a sense of like, I don't know, obligation. It just felt like I had to do it. Felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So I did do that. And I remember, and I remember he said something crazy. He was like, you know, I, he's like, I, don't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that for you. 
It was weird. And I was like, and I remember saying, I was like, yeah, I know. It was weird. We knew each other like. Shit. You know, we, you know like we were, we were both fucking crazy Geminis. Like we butted heads all the time. We were fucking, I mean, it was like, it, you know, we would fight all the time, butt heads, not talk. talk. I mean, it was, it was, it was a fucking marriage, you know. Yeah, that's intense. how the partnership works, man. And working yeah. through that shit to get to that next level of strength with yeah. each other until the next headbutt yeah. comes in. Yeah. Decade, you know, of yeah. like us being like best friends in the world to like being super angry at each other but like you, you still gotta go to work in the morning yeah. you know and like yeah. that's how it is yeah, and you remember that you're working for the same goal and same belief yeah, yeah exactly we were both like this is something that we're doing and when we got together and made music it was beautiful when we got together yeah. and we fucking put our heads together and like we were clicked in like it was it was awesome you know so hold on so during this time that he has cancer yeah and you're doing this on it, let's call it what it is, heavy lifting. And I know Sponto was working too. I mean, it's notorious. It's part of the 100%. story that he was 100%. doing. I feel like I read it was literally every day he, he was Irrepre- contributing. He was irrepressible. Despite that, great word, but despite the chemo, despite yep. the sickness, despite losing something like 65 pounds or something like that. The and, minute he had a shred of breath, he was up and running. every, And then he got put back down on his ass. So you saw him, I'm not going to say wasting away because. You oh, yeah, know, no, I saw him wasting he, away. Yeah. I saw him inflate and deflate. Like get get puffy and then get very small oh. and then he had a can it was crazy and this is over the course of four to five years because the chemotherapy yeah is fucked right that shit just kills you it's yeah. it's killing it the is cancer, that's but it's exactly also- it's like killing you as little as possible to kill the damaging stuff but yeah. still keep you alive yeah, yeah. Go and on. he and I remember I remember this one time in the hospital where he he was like beating his chest he's like. He's like hitting himself in the chest and being like, Raw! like screaming. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to make it because it, it's, it's that simple sometimes. Like you have to, he's a fighter. Yeah. He's a fucking fighter through and through. Like and that. he, and I was like, oh, and I, and I knew, I knew he was going to get through it. I didn't know it was going to be this hard and this long, but I knew he was going to get through it because he, he, he was hell bent on getting, you know, he was not a, he was not a quitter. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, yeah. So then that there's that. So then, you know, going through that whole thing, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm also sober, you know, all that, all that fucking around in my youth, yeah. I've spent huge chunks of my life being sober. You know, I, I have sober, I'm sober eight years. I was just going to ask how many years before okay. then I was sober 12 years oh, wow. before then I was sober three years before then I was sober one year. So I've always been, Holy I've always, shit. I knew pretty early on that the jig was up with me and getting <laughs> loaded. And I was like, I either, and I was like, I'm either going to get high or I'm going to go to work. I can't do both. Right. So I chose, right. you know, so, and in this process, like, you know, we have like, you know, he's got cancer. We have one employee. I don't, I don't know how to navigate being next to someone who's sick, who's like your partner. So, and you're literally going to the hospital, like for your meetings at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're going to the, yeah, we're going. You know, and fast forward to where he's visiting the hospital. You know, he's got a pick line in, so it's a thing that like, it's a line to your. It's an. It's a. It's a thing that goes to your vein that lives there. So you have a thing 24-7 that lives in your arm with a bandage on it so that any time they can stick the chemo in. It's fucking crazy, you know? Wow. Um, so he's got the pick line in and he's, you know, and he's, you know, and also like, you know, up until that time when he got sick, he was still working as a rigger. Like he was working building sets because oh, we both wow. had jobs, you yeah. know, while we're doing Born and Raised. So, you know, he gets sick and like I think that he survived off of like the, his insurance from the riggers union slash health benefits so that, right. that that's how we got by and i think honestly we did a gofundme for him i remember we did a gofundme for sponto early on and i think the money went right into born and raised like he didn't give a fuck <laughs> you know he was dope. he was like you dope. know he's, okay. he was it was everything to him it yeah. was every fucking thing to him and 
so he you know so yeah fast forward like you know this process and uh i relapse before i relapse i actually which is interesting and i don't know if it's related but like you know he's native um i have i have native i have some native blood also which i don't i don't have any connection to i don't have any native i don't know my family on that side but uh but he 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 invites me to go to a peyote ceremony in memphis with his old man and uh and we you know you're we're in a teepee you're in there for 12 hours it's winter it's cold as fuck you can't move you're not allowed to stand up or sit you have to sit there for 12 hours and they just serve you like five different forms of peyote i mean it's intense you know so we did that i remember him i remember his father who's a road man he says you know in the middle of the ceremony he goes i want you to take the cancer out of my son and put it in me and right when he points at spanto spanto started puking it's crazy spanto credits that ceremony with getting him better you know um but wow. it, which also leads into him later on really digging into the native culture and yeah, all that stuff. Of but, course. Um, but yeah, I was there for that and that was crazy. And, uh, you know, and I came back and like, I just didn't have, I didn't have, a, I wasn't tapped into, I just didn't know how to take care of myself yeah. and I didn't know what to do and I relapsed. And that was wild because like also we're still, I'm not going to give up my business. So I'm partying. And it, for a while it's like fun. Everyone's like, oh, this is fun two-tone. He's not stressed okay, out. Okay, so uh, uh, you don't need to get into the grimy details, but f an all-out relapse, not just like I oh, had no. a drink here and there. <laughs> like you were, you were all in on it. I'm all in with everything. Okay, so cut, I'm, I'm cut, in for cut. a penny and for a pound. So like, if I'm I'm going in, and like nobody knows how the extent of how fucked up I am cut. because I'm I'm like a fucking tank. So you, I could be, I could be on every concoction of drugs known to man. You might not even know. And I'm just fucking playing this game in my head. So I'm fucking loaded and I'm in the, you know, and I'm in the fucking, you know, and I'm now I'm loaded. Now, like I found one of our gift boxes that had a pack of cigarettes in it. Now I'm smoking cigarettes because I quit smoking. I'm smoking cigarettes. Fucking I'm smoking in the office. Sponto has cancer. It's terrible. Like terrible. Like I'm a mess. Okay. And I'm okay. like, I'm pulling up to work with a fucking six pack at 11 in the morning. Like yeah, I'm a been, mess. Been like it's there, not, dude. it's bad, dude. And I'm not going to get into like the drug use, but it was terrible. Yeah. And, Sure, for a for a minute it was a lot of time. It was a lot of fun, and I'm out and I'm going to parties. I'm partying, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is great. He's fucking hilarious. Look at this guy." And then after a while, it just gets dark, yeah. and then you, then you end up alone all the time, and it's sad, and you want to fucking die. And that was the trajectory. I was out there for like a year, and I get back in the program and into AA because I have friends in that you know group, and you know I had a friend bring me back in, and then I you know and then I had this new experience in AA where I you know for the first time in my entire life i actually submitted to listening i've never listened to anyone ever for, about anything i've never like okay. i'm unteachable right so i finally right. let myself be taught and i go i'll do what you tell me wow. to do because i was beat up and i didn't have any you know i, I crashed my fucking car into a into a bus uh oh i shouldn't i they, they tried to sue me for that i should i should believe that um <laughs> They came after me. Someone came after me. Anyways, I, I, I was like squatting in my... It was a mess. It was a fucking mess. Like, it was tragic. I was broke. Can I ask you a question? I saw a picture of you. I don't remember what year, but you were like big. Mm. Was that during that that era? That happened when I got sober. I quit smoking. Mm. And I was so stressed out over... Sponta was still sick. And him and I were like... We were just... He, was, he had this thing called chemo brain, right? Where... We're talking about a dude who already has like PTSD, Sponto, like coming, growing up the way he did. Yeah. You know, I remember before he did chemo, he would tell me about like he get getting up at night and pacing, and I'm like, oh, you have PTSD, bro. You have like it's like war trauma. You know, he's oh, been yeah. through wars. Yeah. 
And I'm like, you have PTSD. And he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah. And then I, so he had, now has this thing called chemo brain where the chemotherapy makes you literally go into the darkest places in the world. And this is a guy who can already go dark. So this guy's telling me about like, I'm going to fucking, you know, again, the chemo brain. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a shoot. Like he's telling me all this crazy shit. And he's like, and when I do this, I'm going to, I'm going to advertise born and raised. I'm like, bro, don't do any of that shit. So, and then I, I think, I think what happened to me is I think I had, I think I had a nervous breakdown. I think, I think I, I think the getting loaded was a cry for help. Getting sober was trying to save myself. And then, Post sober, I just gained so much weight. I look like a cartoon fucking villain. Like I look like I literally look like Big Pun. It's crazy. Right, there's a right. picture of me at, at at Sadie, and I hate I hate those pictures so much. But there's a picture of me at Sadie Hawkins next to YG, and I look crazy. Like I had to like sew two shirts together. Come to, on, like, yeah, it was cra- well. I wanted like this Versace shirt, and I had to. I went downtown. <laughs> I didn't have a real. I didn't have a real Versace shirt. I had a fake one. I had okay, my, okay. Alejandro like got her sewers together and they, they sewed together a couple of fake Versace shirts, you know, but yeah, I was, and also like, you know, to that, to that, you know, speaking of that, like I had, you know, I was talking to my shrink about this and it's like, I had just like, it, I don't know. I think I just had a, a, a nervous breakdown. I couldn't stop. I couldn't get my drugs and I was sober and I wasn't getting relief and I started eating and I got really, really fat. I've always fluctuated, but this was crazy, and I got wildly fat, and uh, and then I remember, you know, I remember I got, you know, and like also like things were hard with me and Sponto at the time, fucking, you know, it's stressful. He's sick, I'm fucking, I relapsed. I'm, you know, like we're beefing. I'm sober. Like it's a everything's a mess. And the company's thriving. The company's honest though. The company's we're still yeah we're still like putting shit out. Yeah, with all this chaos, we're still just like because you know what we're still fucking us that's the thing while all this shit going on we're still like it's still our brains being like we're gonna fucking shoot yeah. these kids in the lifeguard towers in the shirt that we created and it's gonna be called this and it was still different from everything else Damn right. and i'm gonna say that we influence a lot of shit of I'm course absolutely goddamn lutely. i think i see a lot of people that you know what um, are you thinking as that company-wise forget the personal first act like you're seeing born and raised become born and raised like at this point is there pride? Like, like, how are you feeling about the brand? About- I told Sponto day one. Yeah. As soon as we put shit out, I go, listen, we got this. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're good. He's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, I know where we're at. He's like, as a brand, we're fucking solid. Yeah. Like, we're going to be fine. And he, he was, it was his first time out. I've been around a minute. He didn't, he was very nervous. He's like, always, you know, to the fucking very end, he was nervous about positioning and what, you know, I'm like, bro, we're good. We got this. We have, we have, we have fucking, we got sauce and spades. We're good. We're not even, this is the tip of the iceberg. So how, look, at this point, it's just trying to keep it alive. Yeah. We're, you know, we had one employee, someone hired him away from us. We had no employee. (sighs) Come on. Okay. Dirty. Right. Yeah. Dirty. It was like, I had a I had a resentment for that for a while because these guys are supposed to be our friends and they took our one employee and I was like that's fucked up. Anyways, um, so um, yeah, they took our guy or he, you know, but in in their defense and in his defense, yeah. if I play it back, his boss was a fucking crazy maniac who'd come to work every day with a six pack of beer, Fuck. smoking weed. Like, who wants to work yeah, for a guy like that? So he probably he point. probably was looking for a job. He's like, I gotta get out of here. Uh, you know, I'm guessing. I don't know. Point. I never talked to him about it, but we're cool. Um, okay. so yeah, so like, yeah, I gained a lot of fucking weight, and I remember I remember being, you know, I remember watching Sponto be sick, and looking at myself 
in the mirror i'm because you're sick when you're when you're morbidly obese you're sick it's not i don't give a fuck body positivity that no one wants to feel like that it's 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 you're trapped in a living hell if you're surrounded by fat i don't give a fuck you get on an airplane you take a 10-hour flight it's hell on earth like it's not good you're in like the summertime you want to you want to get a shirt like you're fucked it's terrible it's the worst it's it's, i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy so i looked at sponto and i'm looking at him dealing with his health and i'm looking at myself and i was like health is wealth like all that corny shit's true and i'm like you know what I'm going to fucking fix this. And I'm going to put everything I got into this one thing right now. So everything, every dollar I had went to personal trainers, wow. holistic doctors, and I just went to work. You just decided. It was just literally one day yeah. you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm doing this. I'm Fuck done. this lifestyle. Fuck I'm, this. Okay. Because it's not me. I'm not a fucking, I'm not, there's some people who are fat and they might be happy being fat and they're resigned to it. They're like, yeah. that's fine. I'm fat. You know, I was never satisfied with being fat. I was like, dude, I got much more offer. Like this is not, this doesn't feel. Yeah. Good. And for those, for those who don't know though, you probably all know two tone is a very handsome man, by the way. <laughs> Absolute. I'm sitting here like, damn dude, I got the face for radio, but Jesus, this, uh, it's a very handsome man. So well, it's a testament to women. <laughs> and how they view men yeah. is that we we start looking at you as 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 on the surface, but women really see men as people because women were still down to date me, and I was like, wow. why would you fuck me? I am, ter- I am a mountain of a fucking person, <laughs> and it's like they still they still saw through all the fat and was like, there's a guy in here that's interesting, you know. Listen, women so are better people. They're just, much. Women are much. What it is. They like, really are. True. No, I no know, bullshit. Like, absolutely. This sounds man. like some bullshit pandering cat, but I swear to God, I this I, they are much better better creatures than we are. Listen, I'm gonna say this. I'm not just <coughs> saying this because she's my well, she is my wife, but my wife straight up put me on the path because I was going some dangerous, terrible places and she should have left me 17,000 times over. So because of her tolerance and at first gentle, but at a certain point, like, yo, you either pick me or this stupid fucking lifestyle that you're doing. And like, honestly, she's one of the most genuine, authentic, true people, but women, yes, better people. Absolutely. But okay. Going on. They have a bigger capacity for pain and everything. It's just different. They're different animals. Anyway, so um yeah so i made this decision i was like well being sick is hell yeah look at him he you know he's sick like he he, he would do anything and like you know you talk to someone that's sick and it's like they would give anything to be well like of health course. is wealth so i put everything i had towards getting in shape and it was this process that took you know years of me just like grinding and grinding and grinding yeah. and and i'm and i'm a crazy person i remember this one time i lost i lost a bunch of weight like i lost like physically i like slimmed down and i weighed myself yeah. and i weighed like two pounds less but i looked 30 pounds different okay and i fucking freaked out and i had a meltdown because i was like i've been working my ass off and then i put weight back on because i gave up for a minute Ooh. but what i didn't realize is that muscles heavier yes, than fat and yes. it, sometimes it moves around like i don't the thing about me too is like i don't i haven't lost actual physical poundage i've just changed the composition of my body so like i have you know i'm still there's just a lot of muscle now anyways enough about my body um (laughs) so so yeah uh so i made that decision and i fucking you know and i dug in and got it together and you know got got in shape uh and you know and i and i and and as a result of being in, in aa and like having this moment where i became teachable and would listen to people i started doing other shit like I started a podcast, which I probably wouldn't have done before. I started doing jujitsu, which I wouldn't have done before. Like I became open to a whole bunch of other things. Wow. My perspective shifted in this process. So I became 
a more open person. And like, and I became a different person. People used to tell me, they'd be like, you know, I was terrified of you because I would just be scowling. And I was a big guy just scowling. You were that guy, huh? I was always scowling. Wow. But I wasn't, it wasn't like I was scowling because I was like, fuck you. It was more like, I think I was just like afraid of, I don't know. I just didn't, I was, I don't know. I just didn't want to like, it was easier for me to scowl at someone than smile. That strikes me as so weird because I've lived, and look, we haven't known each other a long time, probably less than a year, but you're like this warm, genuine, like approachable. I I gave him a hug as soon as he comes in. Like I'm, Oh, give two tone a hug and you're open to it. Like, wow, that, that, yeah, no, that's, that's who I am. I think I was just trying to protect myself or, you know, so it's also like a neighborhood you grow up in. Everyone's scowling. Like it's kind of like how it is, you know, that's the, that's the currency, you know, like the nineties is a different time. Everyone's fucking pissed off and shit. So, so like, (laughs) um, so yeah, I mean that, that, you know, and then, and then, uh, Sponto, you know, I'm getting better. He gets better. Yes. And, uh, you know, and a few years go by and then, you know, born and raised, you know, then COVID hits, you know, we change our strategy in COVID, which is, you know, we have growth in COVID. A lot of companies grew, we grew, we come out of COVID and, um, don't, you know, don't fast track that. And I, I know we got time constraints, but I just yeah. want to know at a certain point, when did you know you were a bellwether for the culture in Los Angeles? I don't know. I think it's like, uh, I don't know when we knew. I mean, I guess it's like something that I never really took stock in anything like that. I yeah. don't really, I don't really take stock in, you know, people talk a lot, you know, like I know what we've done yeah. and I know the things we do, but I, it's also hard to see when you're on the inside making the fucking, you know, you're in the grinder making the sausage. Like yeah. you don't know. Right. But like, you know, we have these things like, you know, we have Sadie Hawkins, which has crazy coverage and we have all these events and we have these like, and I know that the films that we make are like different from other people's films because I'm a filmmaker and I'm not just like, you know, and I'm, and I'm emotionally invested in everything I do for Born and Raised and like, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think honestly, I, I realized that more when, when I kind of, I think I realized that recently when I like, when I was asked to be a part of this group show and the kids, you know, these kids are like artists that I look up to. And they're just like, they look at Born and Raised as like, because I've always been like, you know, I want to make art, but I don't think anyone's going to want to see it because I, I come from like a company and that's like, that's commercial. Corporate. Corporate. Oh, I'm, uh-huh. I'm not corporate, but like, yeah. And then what I realized is that like all the stuff that we've been doing and all the things that we've gone through, they've been watching. And we've always told everyone what's happening as it happens. So like they know, they know about my fucking dog. They know about his cancer. They know about yeah. this. They know about that. So like we're telling a story about two guys. We're not telling you a fucking story about like a bunch of models on a roof looking at the sunset. Like we're telling our life story. So that's why we know it. Re- like that's why it resonates. So that's why when I want to do something like where, where I want to talk to someone and be or someone wants someone to be a part of something, they're like, "Yeah, I'm down to do born and raised shit." You know why? Because born and raised is talking to me, and born and raised is not a fucking you know like, it's born and raised is like we're storytellers. Um, we're part of a culture. We're part of a community. And, you know, they're, yeah, we make clothes and we sell clothes, but like, that's actually not, you know, we're not in fashion. We're in like storytelling and advertising, you know, and like, and we've always been, we've been shooting from the hip for a decade. And I think that's what people have a respect for. And us. I got, dude, very well said, cause I was going to ask you what born and raised means, but it is a reflection of the culture and it's your interpretation of the culture and your embrace of the culture going from that time in the 90s when everybody was pissed off or in the 80s before that when you're first first starting graffiti and tagging and all this kind of stuff and then extrapolating that into today's world with the instagram and you know you having the foresight as a filmmaker and seeing what that was going to become and kind of tying everything together 
into Born and Raised really is a, a beacon for the culture. And I know people, you know, at literally dads, literally dads in Sherman Oaks are repping Born and Raised with yeah. the new drops. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're in lo- like, it's, it's very cool to see like what you become and what it's accomplished. How does that feel seeing that, by the way, and seeing that impact? It feels amazing. Like I'm, every time I see it in the wild, I'm excited. And Born and Raised from day one is not just about LA. Yeah. It's not just about the West Side. It's for everybody. Like you're born, everyone is from somewhere. Everyone comes from a neighborhood and you're all born and raised somewhere. And we talked about that from day one. You know, Sponto and I talked about like, yo, this thing has global legs if we want it to. Right. You know, and like that's where we're at. Like now we're, you know, I'm moving into Japan a lot this year. I'm going to be jump, I'm gonna be wow. doing some shit in Japan. And Japan's a place we visited on and off and done projects, but like I'm going to make a, a move to Japan. And we're going to be doing some more experiential shit. We're going to do some shit with artists. Maybe yeah. some, you know, we got some interesting things going on. And uh, and we're also constantly pushing, you know, I'm trying to push the categories of what we make and trying to give, offer people more things that, that are born and raised. And also the content. And I'm trying to, you know, build more of the storytelling and trying to push that narrative more every time and also training my guys to like, you know, um, to be able to do it on their own too. Like I want my guys to be autonomous. I want to be able to like, you know, at some point I'm going to step away to shoot a movie, yeah. right? I'm going to do that. I have a film that I wrote and I'm working on getting it packaged and I'm going to get it. Wow. I'm going to get, get it. It's going to get set up somewhere. I'm going to make it happen. Like I've made everything else happen. And when I leave for that time, I want everyone at born and raised to be able to be like, a, this movie is for Born and Raised, and Born and Raised is a part of this movie because Born and Raised is a part of me, but also I want you guys to be able to run the fucking shop while I'm gone because I'm going to be gone for a couple months. Wow. Like, you're not going to see me Yeah, because I'm going to be in that world. That's but, you know, the machinery's built. You know, the fucking, you know, the widgets and the cogs are whirring and turned on. We're, we're doing the fucking, you know, we're on calendar. We got a team, and, you know, we're, we're just going to fucking crush. How do you f- fill the void in your life after Sponto's passing, both your life and the company? Listen, my life that year, last year, I lost, I lost a lot. I lost a, a close friend from my poker crew. Uh, I had broke up with an ex. I had to put Omar down and Sponto died. So Fuck. for me, wow. there's no, it's all a blur. I don't know what's what and what's where. I'm just going. Yeah. I might have to pay the piper at some point, sit down. Like it does to this day. I don't really, you know, I've been talking about him in this interview, not in past tense because I don't fully believe he's dead. It's weird. You know, I feel like he's going to call me and yell at me for the decisions I've made (laughs) while he was like on vacation, you know? Okay. Right. Right. Why did you fucking put, put so-and-so, you know, like it's, uh, but no, he's gone, man. And, 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 uh, and like, I, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's like, all I can do now is, you know, honor him, but I can't do him. I can't do Sponto. Right. I can never be him. Right. No one can be him. No one can step in and be him. Uh, he he was a very unique person and what he wanted uh, for the company and what he did. And like, I want something else. I have a different vision. Yeah, It's aligned, it's born and raised, but it's just a little bit of a fork. Right. You know, right. and I can't do, I can only do what I can do as me. And that's what I'm gonna do for born and raised. Because you know what, I'm half of this company. And both of us, like, if I had died, born and raised would be fine. Yeah, you know, he it would be totally fine. It would have been he would have he would have fucking you know. As a matter of fact, like when when he died, I was like taking a break. I was like, I need to fucking chill out for a minute. I need to stop. I need oh, to write. Wow. Yeah, I was. I had like two weeks down, and then he died, and oh. I was like right back in. 
because if I didn't come back, it would implode. And and I'm really good under fire. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, I know what to do now. You have to be. You know, I know I know what to do when the fucking you know. When you know when 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 the roof's on fire and this t- you know shit's tumbling, I'm like, I know how to operate this it's shit. Cool under pressure. It's when it gets very calm and I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, so tell me about powerful truth angels. We got to talk about okay, that. Okay, powerful quick. truth angels. Yes, you know that's my podcast. I do it once a week. It's a labor of love. Uh, I I interview everyone from artists to actors to just local weirdos, friends, yeah. and it's kind of like stupid and fun and sometimes we have really interesting conversations and sometimes we're just talking shit yeah and uh it's fun it's funny and like you know i also i I like to do studio visits keep an eye out for those i'll be visiting artists and you know i think that like the thing about powerful truth angels is like you don't anyone could be on there any moment you don't know who's going to show up yeah and that's why i wanted i wanted you to start popping on to do ellie in a minute in there so we'll have to figure that out yeah well well, we did but it turned into a three-hour visit okay tell me about maddie matthewson real quick Okay, Maddie. Maddie's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And, you know, one day we were having sushi. I've known Maddie for a very long time. Well, since Born and Raised. And, uh, and we were having sushi one day, and I was like, you know, I want to make a podcast. And he goes, you want to do it with me? I go, yeah, I want to do it with you. He goes, let's do it tomorrow. I go, okay. Wow, okay. We go to Guitar Center the next day and buy a fucking the equipment yes. and make a podcast that day. And we recorded three. That's dope. That's how, the, okay. that's how this thing started. Then COVID hits yeah. right away. And then it's like he's hanging on as much as he can doing it on Zoom, but he hates it because he wants to hang out. Yeah. He wants to yeah. be with me. I want to be with him. So eventually he also has a TV show on FX, you know, that's what he won, like a bunch of Emmys. Like, give me Badass. a break. He's not, Badass he's not doing show, yeah. my, you know. So he left, he left PTA amicably. I love him. I, I went and visited huh. him for Thanksgiving and saw the family. I love them. They're great. Cool. So that's my guy. So powerful truth angels. You're going to see me on there next <laughs> next week also. Okay, last thing, two-tone. We yeah. always close out with one thing to do in LA this week. That's yeah. what we do it in a minute with Evan Lovett. So for you, you have a weekend to yourself, all right? Take yourself out of the biz for a sec. It's a picture-perfect crystalline blue LA sky, the verdant hills. This is Los Angeles. The ocean breeze is coming in. You can do whatever you want. Tell the people what's one thing they should be doing this week in Los Angeles. Okay, what I want to do yeah. is... I do my morning shit, go to the gym, do all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe get a, have a Schwitz, cold plunge, sauna, do all that shit, right? Yeah. Are you in that Estevan crew that does? I don't go to his house. I got my own, I got my own thing in my house. All right. um, Got it. Yeah. But I, you know what I really like is a a nice, beautiful hike. I like to take a hike. Wow. Yeah. I'm that guy. I like to go on a hike, you know, and if I really, if I'm really on my shit, uh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a lunch packed in it and I can, you know, if I'm with someone, maybe we'll have a fucking picnic. Wow. I like, I like, I like, I like being in nature, bro. That's, I, it, it calms me down. It relaxes me. I'm in the city all the time. Like I like, I just like to be out in the woods if I can. So like, honestly, a hike and a nap and I'm, I'm good. Where are your hikes? Give me your top hikes. I'm, I'm in go. Griffith a lot. So oh, <laughs> I'm in man, Griffith like all the time. Place. I do a lesion. It's not really much of a hike, but the hills yeah. around it are nice. The oldest park in Los Angeles, by the way, Elysian yep, Park. Elysian's fucking tight. And then sometimes I go to Angela's uh, Crest or that, you know, the whole area up there off of the, what is that freeway? Anyways, that whole area off of Angela's, like there's the strawberry, I don't know what the name is, but that's when I'm really going on a mission for a hike. Okay. You know? But okay. like typically I just hit Griffith, do my little loop, you know. Griffith is so Back badass. door, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, it's, it's a huge place. I mean, it's like one of the biggest state parks in, in the country, isn't it? It's like huge. I call it the Central Park Los Angeles, which isn't that creative, but hey, so go take a hike. Take a hike. Literally take a hike. Go don't enjoy take a hike. 
Alex, Two-Tone, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming to the IM Studios, and I'm looking forward to seeing you and hopefully being one of those rotating cast of characters on Powerful Truth Angels. Um, Born and raised, you know the deal. I don't need to do any promo on that, but support the man, support the brand, support the legacy, support the memory of Sponto. But honestly, Alex, Two-Tone, thank you very much. I appreciate you. This was awesome. Thank you, Evan. That was wild. (laughs) What a show. And thank you for listening to this episode of In a Minute with Evan Lovett and our interview with Alex Two-Tone. Fantastic interview with an amazing person. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I want to give a huge thank you for listening. Seriously, I really appreciate every week seeing the numbers, seeing the comments, seeing the responses. It's resonating, and that's because of you. So please... Keep on listening. Tell your friends. Share it. Give me a five-star rating if you had fun and leave a review if you loved it. And do not forget to subscribe and share because, again, that helps a ton. I will be eternally grateful for that. Wish you a great week ahead. And, again, thank you for listening. All right, y'all. It's been a minute.